of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm Rich Critch. No Joe Lanza today. Uh, our schedules, unfortunately, on this holiday week were just a total mess. Every literally every time that he was available, I was not, and and, and vice versa. And it it was just a total nightmare. So you know what? We figured out a bad, uh, you know, a backup plan, a, a great plan B, a Seth Rollins-esque plan B in my mind. And and I know everybody it, when we when we sent the message out on Twitter, everybody was saying, "Oh, you got to put Joe and Dylan Hales together. We want to hear that. We want to hear that." Well, you know what? That's not solid booking. That's just rushing it. So you know what we did instead. Is it's me versus Dylan? <laughs> no, sorry. So anyway, I'd like to welcome our special guest host today. It's a guest host of like like the guest host of Raw. Or, uh, I'm trying to think of our Bob Barker. Or I'm, trying to <laughs> I'm Kevin Hart. <laughs> Kevin Hart. That's, I'm trying to think of the worst guest host that they've ever had. Like Barker was actually okay. I'm trying to Barker think who was, was good. like. Yeah. He was he was actually who, quite. Oh, good. there was that one actor that couldn't be bought. Was it Jeremy Piven? He came right. He was the summer. Jeremy uh, Piven was the Summerfest guy. Yes. Yeah. Jeremy Piven was Okay. That that's yes. Yeah. So the Jeremy <laughs> Piven today is Mr. Dylan Hales, and you might know him as the voice of wrestling TNA Impact reviewer. He's the host of the the reemerged wrestling culture podcast, which is available at placetobenation.com. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Dylan Waco. He's a wrestling mind. He watches literally every bit of wrestling from every country, every city. I don't know how he does it. And you have a kid too, right? I have a kid, and I work. How does it, how I do work full time, and I'm married, and I, have I a go dog. to school. I have a dog. How, how do you do this? Do you sleep? You don't sleep, I right? sleep less than Joe Lanza sleeps. Okay. See, I, I don't know how much Joe sleeps, because he's up at weird times, and I wonder if he sleeps from, times. like... He's the only person I know that keeps hours similar to me, and I, the only reason mm-hmm. I know that is because of following the Voices of Wrestling Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah, you two are just twi- <laughs> tweeting at each other about randomness. So, but, yeah, I, I, I only sleep about... I, I would say, on average, I sleep about three hours a day. Three to three okay, and a half hours a sense. day. And I, I'm really good about shoehorning wrestling into weird things. Uh, so, so like, uh, you know, I, I, my wife does not 
with me like i'm watching a match on youtube while i'm talking to her about work she like she i'm thankfully I, i'm blessed with like the most wonderful wife on earth who literally doesn't care about that she doesn't mind as long as i'm paying <laughs> attention to her so uh yeah uh but i do it, it it sometimes i sit back especially last year i sat back and i was like how did i watch all this stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable i have a dog and i i still i can't even i have a dog and a girlfriend and i'm 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 cannot be and, and obviously a job and it's just impossible to find the time to watch as much as 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 i want to and i still don't even scratch the surface what you do so anyway dylan dylan hales at dylan waco you can follow him on twitter for all that good stuff and, and always a, a great follow on twitter as well so anyway he's going to kind of assume the guest host role for this one and um we're going to do basic format that we would normally do for a voice of wrestling podcast we're not going to do it in interview style dylan as i mentioned he watches everything so everything that we were normally going to talk about we can still talk about some of the stuff a little bit maybe a little less like we might not get into dragon gate quite as much or or maybe we can't get it. We'll we'll figure it out as we go. We'll play it by ear. But uh, uh, initially, what I want to start off with, which is kind of the news of the day, which is just an unbelievably weird <laughs> news story, is Emma, the release and the rehiring and the release and what, what's the status as of recording? I have no idea. I feel like she's reinstated. The last time I she, checked, she's but... <laughs> she's she's reinstated, and it's actually funny because um, uh, I'm 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 breaking the fourth wall here, but uh, Rich and I had had a brief sort of tweet back and forth about some of the things we were going to discuss today which by the way is more than joe and i ever do so <laughs> and it's more, it's more go, than right. dave and i usually do for the wrestling culture show <laughs> um and it was it, it, like i don't think either one of us really wanted to talk about the emma story but this is such a weird story now with her being almost immediately reinstated after she was fired that you kind of have no choice but to do it <laughs> because oh absolutely yeah. I, I mean and it is it's a very bizarre story i mean the only comparative situation i can think of was when the wwe let go of the blue meanie and they did the online petition and and meanie got brought back but that that happened over the course i don't remember how long the time span was but it was not like a day or or a matter of hours like this is this was literally like an hour yeah that that it was unbelievable so so for people that don't know the story obviously it was uh monday i believe well we've heard about it on tuesday but the 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 supposed crime happened on monday and it was emma uh shoplifting a walmart in hartford connecticut or or allegedly shoplifting she got arrested for it it was the uh, six degree larceny that that they tried her for um we actually found out through a few different sources and there was sort of a rumor going around that it was only like a 20 dollar ipod case and then we we heard another thing that her lawyer said it was an ipad case and this sort of stuff that's all just it's the rumors were it was valued around 21 or something like that and, and change or whatever. Well, we actually had uh, David Bixenspan, who, who was a friend of the show and, and you know him well as, uh, you know, as well. He called the Hartford PD and sort of asked a few questions about, okay, what's going on here? What, you know, they wouldn't give him the full police report. Obviously, that makes sense. But then uh, he sort of asked a few other questions of, okay, you know, how does this relate to work visas and stuff? Because this was on the heels of, we heard earlier today that she had been released. It was just a, a basic WWE press release. You know, we wish Emma the best in her future endeavors and that's it. Boom, done. That's it. So that was kind of curious initially because we heard and, you know, we heard Tuesday that they sort of had talked about it. She had obviously been arrested, but that they were sort of going to move on and, and that that she had talked in front of the police and they had sort of brought it down into just like a community service. And, and that's what um, uh, Bix, he actually went and called them and they said, yeah, we essentially just recommended an hour or something of, of community service. And that was it. So we knew that for a fact that that wasn't a work visa issue, that she had somehow violated her visa or whatever. It was still weird, though, to see that she had been cut. And a lot of people were saying, OK, well, you know, it's just budget cuts going on right now. It's this sort of stuff. And that was all sort of logical stuff. You know, don't screw up now or whatever. So that sort of happened. I kind of just let it go at that point. We wrote it kind of on our format sheet of Emma firing. Yeah, you know, it was less than $250, larceny, you know, whatever, you know, budget cuts. And then I get home and I'm just kind of <laughs> doing whatever. And then I get a text that, oh, my God, she's back. 
And I, I was confused. Rem is reinstated. So what do you know about this? Because I, I have tried to look up. There were a few people that apparently called or WWE or wrote to WWE and they came back and said that we, you know, we reevaluated. What the hell happened? What did I miss in this like hour that I, <laughs> I stopped following this insane story? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's been publicly uh, reported other than the fact that she's been reinstated and uh, like they've re like I, I want to wish I could remember the exact wording that I saw. Yeah, I'm trying to find it right now. I had a site that one person had like a tweet. I can't remember who it was. It was something like, like uh, they're going to reevaluate her pending reevaluation of her situation. It was some mm-hmm. you know, typical like sort well, here's, of here's, here's one that might have. <laughs> yeah, this is from Cage Side Seats that, that sent this, and it's surprising that they took some time away from their normal, the regularly scheduled programming to actually report on this. Uh, they put the official statement in response. So apparently, um, uh, Gino had had contacted somebody at WWE to try to see an, an email, and they said upon further evaluation. WWE has reinstated Tennille Dashwood, W Diva Emma, but will take appropriate punitive action for her violation of the law. Yeah, I, I and, and actually, um, I did email somebody who uh, is is a, a well known wrestling reporter uh, uh, who's been doing it for a long, 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 long time. Uh, when I saw that she'd been reinstated, and I got just like a very brief message back, and all it said was. Um, Somebody like it was like two lines, and I think he said, "I don't know anything." She was definitely fired and got hired back. <laughs> you know, so like I don't because that's I, initially when that, when that came out, I said, "Oh, well, some intern was like heard something across the wire. They got like a false email and sent it out, and it was never." But no, if, if you're literally hearing that they were actually fired and then rehired, yeah, I mean, I, I, insane. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was I was I was told, and this is a person who, um. I mean, this is a person who, at least in theory, would know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and uh, who doesn't really steer me wrong, hasn't really steered me wrong in the past. So I, I don't have any reason to disbelieve that. It, it It's just really unusual. I mean, normally when you have like, let's say they felt like they had they had to fire for PR reasons, which I think would be kind of weird. But let's just say they that for some reason they felt they had to. Mm-hmm. Um, because Emma does sort of have like this glad handing character, you know, I mean, like you, she's a character you don't want to get caught committing any crime. I could, I sort of understand. That. Right. Like the old school baby face sure. thing where you're not allowed to like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of get that from that perspective, but what's weird about it is like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to commit to that, then you, then why not let her go for a month and then bring her back? You know what I mean? Like the only thing right, I can think is that the details that came out or that were slowly starting to come out about it were like, you know, the, the, the rumor was that, you know, she accidentally stole it because she was in the self checkout line, which I'll be honest, I've actually done that before. I've had like, Oh, I do it all the time. Small yeah, items it, it, in my hand and walk oh, out absolutely. the door. So, I mean, that could happen. And, in and, my younger days, sometimes it was intentional. <laughs> and now in my, in my older forgetful days, it is less intentional. And, and I, fact, I, I honestly think, mistake, but. you know, I think that's probably, uh, I, I think that if, if the, it's very possible that it turned out that that was the case and the WWE didn't want a big backlash from people, you know, saying, oh, well, you've got, uh, you know, you've got people who've had multiple DUIs. Mm-hmm. You've got guys like Randy Orton, who's, a, you know, a serial PED user. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then you, you know, have to change the wellness policy to, to allow him to exactly. continue. To, yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, my, my assumption is that there may have been some they may have felt some pressure there, although they usually don't respond to pressure like that. And the fact that they would respond to pressure like that for a diva, I think is, is actually even harder to believe, frankly. But 
you know, uh, she did. Ha- I will say this. Emma does absolutely have uh, more than a few people who are really big fans of hers uh, in creative, at least at the developmental level. Mm-hmm. So it's it's possible that there were people there who said, look, you, you know, you can't you can't you can't throw this girl away yet. You got to give her you got to give her a chance. Uh, you know, we've got we can't we can't be doing this when we've already cut so many people and, and right. the roster something and we're trying and at least looks like they're trying to make the Divas division semi-relevant um so possibly that was it but it's a really weird story i I, to me it's unprecedented i mean you know like when when the daniel bryan firing happened for the tie choking incident with justin roberts you know i think everybody sort of knew he'll be back you know yeah it was gonna be a your little two month or three month exodus and yeah you know we didn't know how long but i think it pretty much was universally accepted daniel bryan will eventually be back working (laughs) in the rest yeah but you know, with Emma, she's not Daniel Bryan. No. <laughs> you know, like, so that's why I say the closest parallel I can come up with is the Blue Meanie. She's sort of this cult figure, this cult character that that's really over with certain people. Um, not has not really gotten over on the big stage for a variety of reasons. Some of which you've written about, and and Joe's talked about actually too recently with his NXT reviews. But I, I it is really weird. That of all the people to be fired and then rehired in like an hour or two hours, it was Emma. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just completely unprecedented. Like you mentioned, we had a few uh, people on Twitter that were that were coming up with different theories. That that one guy said, "Oh, they have a tour scheduled in Australia in like a month, and maybe somebody forgot about that." And I, I don't know about that. I, I haven't really looked up if that if that's actually you know true if the tour is coming up, but. It, it does seem like something where something like maybe one or two people, or maybe one person made a decision, then like. As you're saying, maybe somebody else in that creative sort of said, whoa, hold on, like, this is not the girl to sort of, you know, have her, you, you know, especially now, as you mentioned with the budget cuts and that sort of stuff, where maybe you just had somebody in creative, somebody in a higher spot in creative that wasn't privy to this decision initially that said, whoa, 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 we can't do this with this girl, you know, like, and she seems very well liked, too, so I could definitely see a little bit of a backlash she, well, she's, among, you know, she's well liked. Yeah, oh, go ahead. She's well liked. Yeah, oh, I mean, that, you can, that's, you can that's, tell that's, that. I, I think it's pretty clear that she's well liked. Um, and I do think, well, actually, I know there are people in the company who actually think she has a really big upside, which makes the way she's been booked on Raw even more puzzling. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that's a different story. As but uh, yeah, I, I'm I, up from NXT. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, that debut is uh, still we, we we still talk about it. it's just the worst. So Santino, hey everybody, it's Emma from NXT. Just, you know her. It just blows your mind. It, it blows Here, it, do it a blows dance that nobody knows about. It blows <laughs> your mind that the NXT the, the the presentation of the NXT divas and their title there and their matches and their promos and everything about it is so strong to the point where you've got people talking about Charlotte versus Natty as a match of the year, which I think is crazy, by the way. That's not a match of the year level match. That's psychotic. But, yeah, but I agree. The point I loved is, it, though. But I, I do, too. I really liked it. And the point is that people legitimately like it because it's a legitimately good match. It had great presentation, had a great feel. Same thing with both of them, Big Emma and Paige matches. And then they, they just have no clue what to do with these people when they get to the main roster. It's like night and day. <laughs> Which, again, is why this story is so weird. Because it's hard to believe, even though it seems like they're treating the Divas division slightly better in some respects, it, it, it's still hard to believe that a diva, let alone a diva who just came up from developmental not that long ago and who's not exactly had a hot run, is the person that's going to have this unprecedented event happen on her behalf mm-hmm. by the company. So it's a 
it's a really weird story. I think it's going to be interesting to watch it develop over the course of the next week, if it develops at all. I mean, this might be it. We might not even get anything more right. out of this. She might end up going back down to developmental. That actually wouldn't shock me, too. In fact, I would actually think that'd be a blessing in disguise for her. Oh, absolutely. If, I, if I'm her, I would say yes, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exile me away so I can relearn. You know, that's yeah, I, I agree. So maybe that was that, that that would be a net benefit, I think, for all parties. Uh, is to would be for her to go back down there and they can kind of use that as a cover well she's getting some punishment but uh, not really and uh you know she goes down there and has good matches with charlotte and whoever yeah so that just a, just a completely odd story and by the time you listen to this it might have changed a little bit but yeah a lot of coverage and, and an insane amount of coverage on, on tmz which is is pretty funny and it's kind of because because wwe as we sort of mentioned and before we move on here is they're so good about getting TMZ into where they want them to be. You know, mm-hmm. the Triple H's haircut is a lead story <laughs> on TMZ. The, oh, my God, we're in an airport, and, oh, it's WWE superstar Darren Young. Hey, like, are you a homosexual? <laughs> oh, I am. Like, you know, the, like, clearly stuff that they have a, a, a planned and that sort of stuff. But And it's the same thing that happens with a lot of their social media, too, and it was like the hijack raw thing is they're, they're so big on, like, force-feeding these certain things that when these negative stories come up, it works that way too. You know, you know what I mean. Where like they have people on the ball about about WWE stuff. So when something like this comes up, which is a minute little detail, like five years ago or something, this doesn't get. This is nothing. I mean, this is an observer news brief, maybe, or like you know, a, a random news site might pick it up or something like that. But this is like a lead story on TMZ when you go there. It's like you know, diva. I got fired for shoplifting twenty one dollars worth. It's it's just fascinating how this sort of turned well, around. You know, I wonder. If, I was just go, go, go I was ahead. just gonna say that social media, like social media, has completely changed the game, and I think that's something that's really underemphasized when we talk about the modern product. Uh, is the way social media, and basically not just social media, even, but the pervasiveness of the internet that you can't escape it now. And I, right. I think I think that's something that we really, really underemphasize. I think a lot of hardcore fans just sort of think that we're still a small minority. I'm not sure that's true anymore. You know, and, and I, I, I really think that stories like that, I mean, that, a story like that breaking into the mainstream, you're right, it, did, it would not have happened even five years ago, let alone 10 or 15. Just like a story like Jay Briscoe running his mouth with insane homophobic right, right, tweets right. would not happen. And like, you know, I made this point on, on, on Twitter a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, like the very thing that makes the Briscoes great promos. So the reason they'll never be hired by WWE. And right. it's only because of social media and this sort of pervasive technology that, that is so intimately involved in our lives now that these things are, are issues, you know, because I don't think Dick Murdoch was a progressive. So, like, I, I, I what makes you say? Wait, hold on. What makes you say that? <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of different angles to that story. I think that's going to be something that's going to be increasingly interesting to follow too. Just the bigger picture stuff of how, like, how is it that Emma being being arrested for maybe stealing something or accidentally stealing something possibly that was less than thirty bucks? How is that a, a major breaking story for anybody, even in the wrestling media? Yeah, uh, you know, like even even within the <laughs> world of wrestling, it's really not a breaking story, but it is, and it's because of that sort of all eyes on me all the time world that uh, that we now live in. So it, it it's a uh, it's completely changed the game. Uh, so it's got to be a oh sorry go ahead. I'm just gonna say social media in that in the broad internet presence has completely changed the game of both fandom how you can pre- how you present content who gets signed and who doesn't get signed 
Um, how do you create buzzes for yourself? I mean, it's a totally different world now than it was, forget five years ago, even three years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, unfortunately, apparently it's a super slow news day because guess what? The lead story on TMZ.com, not the TMZ Sports, TMZ.com is WWE Diva <laughs> slash shoplifter. <laughs> Because TFC has no no regard. Emma is rehired two hours after getting fired. Three exclamation points in the headline there. In case you're curious for your headline writers there that are so that that's the see, and that's this is another thing. It's like that's the lead story now is rehired two hours after getting fired is the, the lead story. Uh, it says maybe the WWE realized if stealing a $21 iPad case is a fireable offense, there wouldn't be enough wrestlers left for a tag team match. So they rehired Diva Emma two hours after canning her. <laughs> And they close with iPad case closed because some guy felt really cool about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's uh TMZ, everybody. <laughs> that's why I don't go to TMZ. High, so high quality report. Close out of that and never go back there again. So, okay. Now I just gave them ad revenue. So I feel dirty. So that's the story of Emma. As I mentioned, by the time you listen to this, it might've changed or, or maybe it hasn't, or maybe nobody cares anymore, but definitely an odd story today. Definitely. And, and just, as you mentioned, unprecedented news cycle of it, like, in three hours, it becoming a story, not becoming a story, becoming a story again, and then now, who knows, not becoming a story. So anyway, stick with WWE. Let's go to Money in the Bank, which happened uh, this past Sunday. You obviously watched the show. Um, I reviewed it a little bit. I was part of the joint review for VoicesWrestling.com. Uh, we don't have to go match by match because I think we're a little bit past that point, but I just wanted to get your initial thoughts on the pay-per-view before we get into the, I think, the two most interesting parts is obviously the two Money in the Bank matches, and then we'll talk a little about John Cena winning, but overall thoughts on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view overall. Um, I thought it was... I can't call it a bad show because there was there was too much that I liked. Um, I probably, In fact, I, I and really, if I broke it down like by segment and got really into the minutia, I probably liked more than half of the show. But uh, I did think it, it was possibly the worst WWE pay-per-view this year, our special event, even if you count the NXT stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not for sure. I'd have to go back and look. It, it, I felt less happy about it than I, I could did about Payback or Mania or Elimination Chamber or Rival or Takeout. Basically, I, just everything I can think of, uh, I would put this behind it. Um, the, the other big thing to me was, I think the show really exposed the lack of depth on the roster. You know, they just cut all this talent and, you know, they, they, a lot of this card really felt like filler. Uh, and and every pay-per-view card has filler matches. I mean, that's a fair point, but they usually do a pretty good job disguising those matches. And this, this card had two or three matches that really felt like complete filler. And then the first money in the bank, which you liked a whole lot more than I did. Yeah. You know, that, that match, like two thirds of the guys in it were like basically irrelevant. And, oh, you knew they weren't going to win. Oh, no. And yeah, that, that's yeah. And, and like I, we were laughing a little bit. Uh, I, we mentioned on Twitter and a few guys messaged me is that they were doing those sort of inset promos to start off or, or the beginning promos. And they go to Kofi Kingston. They have poor Kofi <laughs> trying to explain why he has a chance of winning this. And it's just like, come on. Like he should have just been like, ah, I'll do like a flip off the top of the ladder. But, you know, I mean, like, like, I mean, you knew I mean, you and, and that's, I think, one of the issues with that match, which I loved. And, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Everybody knew going in Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose. That's it. There's no chance any of those other guys even sniff an opportunity. I mean, maybe Adolph Ziggler. I heard some people sort of saying him, but Swagger, Kingston, RVD, not a chance. Yeah. And that hurts. That really, I mean, especially Kofi, who who's perfect for these Money in the Bank matches and really adds, a, you know, because this is, and you can sort of argue that because I've sort of gotten over the Kofi Kingston thing a little bit, but 
he's just not a guy that you need to be in, in that needs to be in this sort of match. You know what I'm saying? He's way past that point. And you could say the same thing for RVD too. Is like these guys are not. I mean, these are not guys that you even for a second think are going to sniff a chance at the title. I, I, I think the match suffered a lot from Barrett being hurt because yeah, oh you yeah, because he was a, he was a contender. He was really he, a dark horse for a lot of people. That you could at least buy him standing on the top of the ladder and, get, and getting his hand on the briefcase and think maybe they'll actually do this. You know what I mean? Like you could at least theoretically construct a narrative in your brain where he might win. I mean, yeah, he, I, I mean, none of it, not really. But it wouldn't be completely absurd either. Um, and also, I think he was having a hell of a year in the ring. I think he would really mm-hmm. delivered. You know, I mean, I, I, I uh, you know, I, him being sucks. Him, him, him being not really sucks because I think he's. I mean, he's really won me over this year. I've, yeah, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, he's done that to a lot of people. He, he seemed like he's been on the cusp, and Joe and I have sort of talked about that. He's been on the cusp of. We've said he still needs that great match where you're like, yeah, that was the an awesome Wade Barrett match, and and he's had a bunch on like main event and SmackDown, these little sort of ones. But we were we're still hoping for that big like pay per view. Yeah, Wade Barrett stole the show type of deal, which I think he was right on the cusp of doing that. Maybe it wasn't going to be this ladder match. It could have been, but he was he was t- getting to that point where you could feel like. Anytime in the next few months, he was going to have a singles pay-per-view match that was going to be, you know, incredible. It was going to be awesome. And, and now we're, that's sort of taken away, which, which sucks. Yeah, and with their depth issues, I think the chances for him to get that match would have been increasingly more likely. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it actually, it's kind of the double whammy because him being injured hurts the overall depth of the company. And it also takes away a guy who I think was kind of emerging as a player, and, and it, both as a worker and as a, you know, a star. So it, it really... <laughs> It's really unfortunate for all parties. Uh, I, I, I really feel bad for the guy because, you know, I, I'm by nature more pessimistic when it comes to this stuff because I've seen this happen so many times. But that could be it for him. I mean, that, that really yeah. could be it for him as a guy they ever give a give a shot to again. You know, well, he, um, he what was his injury earlier in his career? Because he was out for a long. I mean, people forget that he was out for a long time in between. Um, Oh, what was that? What injury did he have? I, I'm, was, I'm blanking it on right it now. Right before Mania, because he was going to be in yeah. that match at Mania, and he hurt his. I, oh, he tore his lad. He tore his. Uh, he tore his lad in, in 2000. Oh, that was an FCW. Crap. No, this That's was like even... a collarbone or an elbow injury or something. It was mm-hmm. another arm injury, and it was really bad because I remember it happened on Raw, and you could see him immediately freak out, like on the floor, because he knew it was he was screwed. Like, I, like watching it live, it was really uncomfortable to watch. Um, I can't remember if it was on a dive or something. I just remember it happened on the floor, just like this did, by the way. Uh, and it was really, really sad to watch it happen because you could see that he instantaneously knew that he wasn't going to be wrestling in WrestleMania and he was going to be out for a while. You know, so. Uh, oh, dislocated elbow. Yeah, that was it. Yep. I remember being a pretty sick one, too. And yeah, dislocated elbow would be pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so it was 2012 that I found that one. Yeah, that was tough. I mean, that was a tough injury, too. I just. You look at the record with these guys who, particularly guys who aren't established, you know, Randy Orton can get injured 500 times and it's okay. But Wade, Wade, Wade Barrett is not Randy Orton. I mean, I think he's a lot better, yeah. frankly, but in the eyes of WWE, he's not Randy Orton. And for all intents and purposes, that's all that matters. Doesn't matter what I think. So uh, <laughs> hopefully that's not it. I, I yeah, I I hope so too. I, I was starting to get into it too. I was I was I was sort of on the fence for a while with, with, with Barrett, and, and I had a lot of people that were saying, no, no, he's you know he's awesome, and, and it, I wasn't quite seeing it yet. But yeah, you finally were starting to kind of get to that point. But no, I, th- I I'm with you as well, and 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 I said that during the Daniel Bryan thing, and, and people sort of disagreed with me, and oh no, he'll be right back. I mean, this this company, I mean, they when they rely on you 
and you get injured, whether or not it's fair or not, they they lose a lot of faith. And you can look at there's tons of examples, and that's the other thing too. Is is People are acting like I mean I get Daniel Bryan's a mega star or whatever and and maybe there's a precedent where where with a star like that it wouldn't happen but with a Wade Barrett like guy I mean that's that's a whole different story because you're you're looking in that mid card you're looking in that I mean look at Fandango look at Dolph Ziggler these guys in the past year that have had injuries when they were sort of quote unquote given the ball for a little bit that they've come back and said okay you know what we can't tr- Christian another one too that okay we can't trust you anymore yeah I mean you know, we, we can't, we're Mysterio. gonna go with guys that are healthy we're gonna go with I mean there's a reason a lot of these guys get their pushes because they're consistently healthy a lot of them yeah and, and I, I always point to Ray Mysterio because he's a guy that gets punished for being hurt and yet he works when he's hurt and he works harder than 90% of the roster when he's hurt and he has better matches than the vast majority of the roster when he's hurt. And they still get pissed off at him. Mm-hmm. And he's never really been utilized. Regardless of how you feel about a guy his size being world champion, there's no question that they've never – they really have not utilized him to the best of his talents for a guy who is a money draw and a guy who sells tons of merch. I mean, it, it's really crazy, you know. And, and it, it's <sighs> – Barrett, the one thing Barrett has going for him is I do think he has a look that – really appeals to, to, to the aesthetics of, of Vince yeah. and, and Triple H. So that will help, but I I just don't know. Anyway, I mean, I, not to derail this entirely for Money in the Bank, but that, that was a big part of the show to me was that, that ladder match. And with Barrett being out of it, um, I mean, it didn't kill the match for me going in, but I think it hurt the match going in, and I think it's possible that it changed a lot of the spots that they had probably already had planned going in. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's, that's a fair assumption. I believe, you know, to, to me, it, 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 that single injury dramatically changed the, the shape of the pay-per-view. Um, I'm not saying that it sunk the pay-per-view because I did enjoy it, but I will say flat out. I thought, you know, I enjoyed Slammiversary better than this, which was shocking, frankly. Uh, and I enjoyed the ring of honor pay-per-view better than this. And to people who know, you know, what my taste are as a fan for me to say, I enjoyed a ring of honor pay-per-view more than the WWE pay-per-view is pretty shocking. <laughs> yes. you yeah. Know? So, uh, you know, that's a, that, that, that's not, uh, that's not something I would have guessed going into the show. Maybe let's talk about that first ladder match. Uh, cause there's nothing big on the show that really stood out to me other than these two ladder matches. Let's talk about that first one. Um, I, I, as mentioned, I liked it a lot more than you did. Um, you had I, th- I thought your criticisms were and there was a, a few people that did criticize it. You know, I was talking to on Twitter and that sort of stuff. And I understood their point. What was your sort of main issue with the latter that, that first one um, that, you know, the, obviously the one won by Seth Rollins, the Dean Ambrose storyline throughout Kane, you know, screwing Dean Ambrose at the end, that sort of stuff. What, what was your big criticisms of, the, of that match? Well, OK, this is this is here. Here's what I would say about that match. If you are somebody who like did it tick off all the boxes of sort of your baseline necessities for a modern ladder match which i would i would argue those boxes are um a few really crazy memorable bumps uh yes. a few a, a few <laughs> a few teases um you know with the with the briefcase that are at least somewhat compelling and one or two unexpectedly cool looking spots. Like if, if, if that, if that's the standard, like the bare minimum, you know, for what you would consider a, a, a strong or good ladder match, then I think, yeah, this ticked off the boxes, but I thought a lot like this was like a car crash to me. I said this on Twitter, but this was like a car crash to me mm-hmm. type match with a lot more rubbernecking than metal on metal. You know, like there, I, I actually thought it wasn't spotty enough. 
Um, I thought there was a lot of dead time, a lot of time where you, you had the old, you had the thing where the there's two guys in the ring and the other guys yeah, just disappear. A lot. And of that. I, I felt like there was a lot in the main event too, and that that's something that WWE is just doing way. I, I feel like too much. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Well, but it's yeah, funny go ahead. because that's... it's funny because I feel like WWE has gotten better and the more ladder matches they've done, which you can argue is a negative, by the way, but the more ladder matches they've done, I feel like they've gotten better about that issue it's not as bad as it used to be like if you go back and watch uh you know some of the really early ladder matches that they did um you know 99 2000 2001 yeah Devon would would be out of the ring for like oh, 20 yeah. <laughs> I mean, minutes like, you know yeah. and, and it, so they've gotten a lot better at it but i thought on this show generally it was one probably the weakest in that regard in a long time mm-hmm. i agree i agree um the other the other big criticism i would have is that there were just a lot of guys in the match who i just don't think are compelling and didn't do much of interest. I mean, right. RVD, I think is pretty <laughs> awful. Kofi was not awful, um, but he didn't impress me at all. Um, he ironically got over in that match. It, it almost like people were like, he, he had that spot where he was almost up on the ladder and everyone's like, yeah. And it's like, you know, he's not like, <laughs> just stop, just sit down. You know, it's not going to uh, happen, but you know, swagger is just like, again, really hurt by Barrett. And I think, and I also think, Personally, I, I I think the the finish, the finish bothered me, even though I think it was logical. Um, so you you know from a from a broad big picture storyline perspective, it's certainly logical. Um, I actually did not have the emotional sort of fuck you response to the finish that a lot of people had, <laughs> because myself, because but... I sort of expected something along those lines to happen. In the back of my head, I thought that was always a possibility, uh, but it. It didn't – I don't – I really don't think that – we don't need more Kane in main events. I think we all agree no. with that. I mean I think that's something pretty much everybody agrees on at this point. And we don't – you don't need to do – like if you're going to do a match like that and you're going to end it with like Ambrose coming back out and doing like the the the, uh, the Terry Funk injured and then returning angle. Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're going to do that – that's just such a flat way to end the match. Like, right. it, 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 like it didn't bother me nearly as much as some of the other stuff in the match. Uh, and I didn't think the match was terrible per se, really. I mean, I just thought it was kind of disorganized and it wasn't, um, you know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't the match in my brain that I wanted, but it also wasn't the match that I feel like they could have had, even if they had added one more person besides Barrett, I think the match actually would I was, have been better. I was very surprised they didn't add somebody else. And that might have just been planning-wise with these guys just kind of – and that, it might speak again to your to your roster depth issue because you look at the rest of this card, who would have fit in there? The only other person who I think would have been a, a, an interesting possibility, even though he's not really a high-spot wrestler per se, although he's actually had some good performances in, in ladder matches before is Mark Henry. Mm-hmm. Just because he's a guy, he's another guy where, yeah, he's not been pushed strong at all, but he's a former champion and he could do some strength spots in the match. And I think he would get a big pop if he came out for it. Uh, and I think you could possibly have done uh, a tease with him that people might have bought, like in the same way that they that they kind of bought the Dolph stuff. But 
really, you're right. I mean, there, there was no good option. I mean, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, ideally, I wish it had been Sami Zayn just because I think the guy's ready for the roster, and I think this would have been yeah. a great way to debut him. I, actually, I think maybe the absolute best possible place to debut him would have been this match. But um, they, they didn't do that. So uh, instead, you got you got what you got, and I think uh, people are going to be excited for the Ambrose and, and Rollins storyline coming out of it. I don't like Seth Rollins as an individual heel at all, particularly as like a poor man's triple H, which is sort of how he's being booked. I, I don't mm-hmm. like him as a heel promo, which is a big part of the problem, but I love Ambrose. So, and, and I think they're going to have really good matches. So I'm just going to have to learn to phase out the Seth Rollins promos and live for the actual matches themselves. They're hard. And that, we've been doing that for a long time. Us, us ring of honor fans <laughs> do that for a while. And, and there was, there was a time where he was, and, and as you, you mentioned the promos and, and I recall, you know, Joe and I, and, and me talking to pe- a, a number of people on Twitter or something is saying that Seth Rollins has really improved. And that was when they were faced. I thought he was starting to kind of get the, the, the baby face promo thing a little bit. They weren't great, but they weren't standing out as much as they were back in his Tyler black days. You, you fast forward to now those heel promos, man. They're they're not good. They're, no, they're, I mean, they're like, painful. They're painful. His voice isn't good. It's not a heel voice. It's it's just a it's a very odd fit right now as as him as a heel. I think he's getting over as a heel, but I think it's more. I, I don't know if he's getting over or the fact that he's fighting Dean Ambrose is getting over. I which is, think that's an interesting question, and I think you might be right. And I, my, my because I think I mean you look at that pop for Ambrose, and people are way into Ambrose, and that's I'm, that's the buzz. I even had casual fans saying, "Wow, I'm really into Ambrose now," and I'm like, "Yeah, you, you should be." You know, I mean, they're doing it well, they're booking it well, or whatever. But I'm not seeing a lot of people that say, "Oh, I hate Ambrose." It's more, or I hate Rollins. It's more, I like Ambrose. You know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot more of that than than yeah. the, the flip side. I think the problem is if they put here. Here's the problem. When and if they put the belt on Rollins, I have terrible fears that it's going to be very 99-2000 Triple H-ish in its mm-hmm. – like in terms of how the push is going to be executed, in terms of how the overall presentation is going to be. Um, and I think that this guy's future – and look, I was somebody who hated Tyler Black. I didn't like him at all. You know, I voted Seth Rollins number two most improved last year in, in the Observer <laughs> Awards. But like, to to me, to me, I think his future is as a babyface. I, I see him as a Jeff Hardy style babyface. I think he could get hugely over in that role. I think he could be one of the biggest stars in the company in that role. I'm not saying that he can't work as a heel, but I'm not. I just don't buy him as this sort of heel. And I, I you know, this sort of like dominating corporate suit. Like really cocky and, and like uh, self entitled, I, I that's not good for him. I, to me, it doesn't work. I think one of the the, the reasons, and and I've sort of uh, this is sort of in my theory on why I, I I don't feel he works exactly as the corporate suit as you mentioned is because he doesn't. The, the thing that really triggers a lot of the the current fan base, and and it relates a lot of that social media that, that we talked about a little bit earlier, and the way that you know their creative has to work in this in this new world and and that sort of stuff is that it it doesn't make sense that Seth Rollins is their chosen one. You, no, you know what I mean? Where it's, it makes no it's, sense at all. And not only that, like the storyline's stupid. Rich, hold, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. to oh, jo- go you yeah. here. I'm going to Joe you here and start ranting. The, <laughs> Uh-oh. Look, this, 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 the storyline is fucking idiotic, okay? You get, you, got, you get a guy. First of all, it made no, the term made no sense. Let's, yes, let's, we let's, beat these guys for three months. Oh, wait, now The I'm term was completely <laughs> stupid. Now, to the credit of the WWE, they've done something really brilliant, which is they've never actually had him try to explain the, the story, the, the term in any meaningful way. Which I Did he say, I don't have to explain it to you? Yeah, or something. I which, think so. Which I like think is smart. Michael Cole said, "Why did you do it? I don't have to explain it to I you." I think okay. that's smart because otherwise, it expi- <laughs> if you go into any sort of actual explanation, 
the only conclusion you're you're going to end up with something that's Ventruso-esque. That's the only possibility. It's going to sound like something out of 2004 TNA. So it's better to not explain it. I, I actually think that's <laughs> smart. But then what they do is, like they do this thing where they've got these double ladder matches, and his big his big deal, his big payoff for all this is he doesn't get a he doesn't you know for turning. He doesn't get a shot in the in the in the match for the title. No, he's got to go wrestle for the for the briefcase. Yeah, so he doesn't yeah. even get a title shot. Now, <laughs> now this is the part that blows my mind because it's so stupid. You got Orton, who's ostensibly still the chosen guy of the company. Supposedly, he's still like the 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 face that they're pushing. Uh, you know that the 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 authority or whatever's pushing mm-hmm, aligned right. with Kane. They wanted Orton to, to win last night. They they are or last night, money in the bank. They tried to set it up, right? But at the same time, they've got this other guy who's got the briefcase. So last night they send the guy out with the briefcase to cash in on John Cena. Well, what the hell did Randy Orton think of all this? <laughs> I mean, like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Is he just happy to be along for the ride with the authority? It's so stupid. I mean, and and they I mean, I guess if they if they're gonna uh, eventually develop some sort of rivalry like yeah with rollins and orton within the authority it might be okay but then again who on earth wants to see two heels like seth rollins and randy orton feud i mean like there's not a living person who wants to see that feud yeah this isn't like the triple h rocks like remember in 99 when they were in the corporation and, and they always had that sort of power play. I mean, Triple H had that sort of power play where, you know what, I'm sick of this guy being on top and that, and that sort of stuff where, where he kind of took over from that realm. And he did it with The Undertaker as well. And that's, it, it, but it makes, I mean, this is not Triple H and this is not The Rock. It's, it's not nearly the same. No. It's not where The Rock, and, and the people were waiting to cheer for The Rock. The business yeah, exactly. is not where it was. And that's the key. Yeah. And, and I, look, I, I'm not knocking Seth Rollins as a worker. I'm not knocking him as a, as a star even, because I think he, in some ways he's there and he's got potential to be even bigger. But uh, this thing just isn't working for me. And, and that hurt this match, too, because for me, because I don't give a shit about Seth Rollins as a heel. So when I'm watching this match and he wins, it's like, eh, whatever. You know, I um, anyway, you, you, you tell me why I'm wrong, Rich. Tell me why. I'm no, wrong. yeah, I, I thought, <laughs> yeah, no, there and there's you sort of mentioned at the beginning of, of the kind of the checklist of, of you know, the modern ladder match. And I, I like to kind of differentiate a little bit. I think there's still a difference between a ladder match and what I consider a money in the bank ladder match. And, and I feel like there's, there's a bigger checklist for the money in the bank. And it is a lot of that sort of chaos and, and, and insanity and that sort of stuff. Whereas you mentioned the car crash, but maybe not. I, I, I get your points though. And I think that was one of the things that I did notice as well is that I was, and it might've just been my, cause I'm so into the Rollins Ambrose storyline because I'm so into Ambrose right now. And I think he's just, he's just awesome. So I think that might've, that really had me on, on on just a different level when I was watching that and the comeback and I was saying this is you know this is incredible and watching the interplay of those two I thought the beginning of the match was was, was pretty fun too where Ambrose just runs in and starts beating the hell out of Rollins like I don't care you know <laughs> I'm just gonna go after you as soon as possible I thought that was kind of cool um, the stalling as you mentioned it it was an issue but I thought it was way worse and, and in terms of the stalling I mean like the guys just kind of hanging out outside I thought that was way worse in the main event where they had you know so many guys in that match and they didn't have enough room in the ring so you had you know guys like Alberto Del Rio who maybe had two spots in a in a 20 minute match or whatever um yeah I there was I I think the big things I really liked as you mentioned there were those sort of the big spots there was the the um, you know, Rollins had a few he had where he got backdrop onto the ladder. You had the, the the big superplex, which, by the way, Dean Ambrose, don't do that ever again. Yeah, <laughs> that's a terrible like, Jesus. like, I think, you know, that, you know, what? hey, next time you give it to me. How about that? How, well, like, you know, I'd be the one that lands that. flat. You know, you'd be the one that what, what's scary <laughs> like, about that is if you if you watch that back, 
that was a re- it's pretty clear to me that that was supposed to be a Tower of Doom spot. And, mm-hmm. and, then, and then they stopped and they did. I think, so, it, okay. Is that, is, is that, cause I was sort of, my girlfriend was watching. I was like, no, they better. I was like, she's like, what are they doing? And I'm like, I think they're going to do this. And I was like, they shouldn't do this. Yeah, it looked to me like they called an audible. It looked to me watching okay. it like, like Go Rollins <laughs> called an audible. And he was like, there, there is no way in hell I'm doing that. Like, because I don't, first of all, I don't think there was enough room. I think he would have hit the turnbuckle. No, he would have, yeah, he would have slapped his knee on the, on the, on the, but, yeah. but I think they called an audible. But what's funny is they audible to something that was arguably more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but from a little bit less height, so it's okay. But yeah, it's, no, and I thought it had that crash and burn spot. There was a few of those. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have to kind of rewatch. I think as a, as a pure match, and I can get where from your standpoint of, of sort of, Looking at the psychology of the match, looking at that sort of stuff, I don't know if it was great in that sense. But for me, I, when I go into Money in the Bank matches, there's a certain sort of idea that I have when I'm going to see one, and that could be that could be for better or for worse. I was talking to Sam on on, on Twitter about that, and you know he's obviously a longtime friend of the show, and and he sort of said it was like Transformers, and <laughs> and what I said is, and I and I agree with that to an extent. I, I those aren't my types of movies, but what I do is I said. You know, I said to him, and I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I don't think they're in exact comparison, but I said, I don't go and watch those summer blockbuster explosion movies because I don't like summer blockbuster explosion movies. So I just stay away from that. Whereas Money in the Bank matches, I sort of, I when I see them, I have an idea in my mind of what they're going to be. And a lot of it was what we got in this match, if, for better or for worse. And and that's sort of what I think I, it might have been an expectation thing. It might have been how I sort of perceived them. But I, I, I spent the last week sort of watching them. And watching this one, it was one of the ones, I, I think, I wouldn't say it was one of my favorites. I think it was kind of in the middle. But I thought it was one of the, the definitely the top 50% for me of those Money in the Bank ladder matches. Just going back and watching them was all. And, and that could be. I mean, there, there's there, there's arguments to be made either way for it. But I, I really, I think the, one of the biggest parts for me, and, and a big reason why at the end I was kind of disappointed. I was had such an emotional, like, you know, as you mentioned, the big fuck you moment is because that Ambrose story, I was like, this is awesome. You know, this is such a perfect storybook thing. I, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to win. I thought something was going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to be Kane. And that was sort of a, that was such a deflating moment for me. And it really hurt how I rated it or how I really perceived the match. And if I would go back and watch it again, I don't know if I would, because that really hurt it to me is that, that ending. But the meat of it, and especially the story of Rollins and Ambrose and the crash and burn spots that those two sort of did, to me, I enjoyed it. But was it the, my favorite Money in the Bank ladder match ever? I don't know if it was my favorite of all time, but I think it was definitely in the top percentile. I think it was definitely in the top 50%. So that was it. I don't know if I proved you wrong. No, I'm well, well, I'll say this. Today, I'll, <laughs> say, I'll say this. They, 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 may, like, I, they may have made Ambrose in that match. Uh, that's and I love those moments too. Those matches where I feel like a guy is like becoming something, where where I can always look back and people can say, you know, one was the moment, and I can point to that. I always kind of overrate those a lot as well. Well, I, my my, you know, I mean, uh, again, this is something I've talked about, you know, other places. But I mean, my idea was that I wanted Ambrose to win. I wanted uh, to, that that night, and I wanted Orton to win Money in the Bank, and I wanted Ambrose to cash in on him right there. And while mm-hmm. while you know people say oh that's that's crazy and that was never gonna oh of course it was never gonna happen, but I think after the show after watching the show and seeing like everything that went down I am even more confident that that idea is better and more logical and made more sense and probably would have even been better for the business <laughs> than mm-hmm. what they did. So um, not that what they did was necessarily crazy, and I mean I, you know it was safe. Yeah. It was the safest possible. Like it was but the one the that ever you could have predicted easily. Here's yeah. the thing, and this is this is an interesting discussion, and it's an interesting debate. And I don't have 
an answer for this. I don't think anybody has an answer for this, but there's a tipping point where, I mean, safe is you can't, when there's no competition and you're the only big game in town and you're losing so much money because of all the crazy things that have gone on this year with TV rights and the network safe makes sense. However, there is a tipping point where safe becomes bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying this was it by the way, but I'm saying it because usually you don't know at the time, you don't know till later, but this felt like one of those shows where the safe thing even though it's going to set up, you know, a Cena and Lesnar rematch, and their first match was awesome, so I'm really excited about that. But it feels like the safe thing. We might we might look back in like four months' time and say, "Man, I don't know if that was the right decision." And right. It, and and that's that's more what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's, it looks safe and it feels safe now, but safe is not. It's sometimes safe is. is is the same thing as bad. Not always. It grows complacency a lot too, where, where you could have a number of fans that, that, and, and, and I know from just casual friends that I've had that, that have really gotten into it in the post sort of, I don't want to say the post scene era cause he's still been around, but, but as they felt him taking a little bit of a backseat where they're fine with him being a guy that's sort of in the picture, but not the picture. Yep. You, you know what I mean? Where yep. after SummerSlam, Daniel Bryan wins and it feels, and, and that was kind of the general consensus. It feels like a new era. We're, we're coming into a new era. And, and you know, the Dan Bryan thing obviously hasn't worked exactly to plan, but it still felt like a different company from 2009 to 2011. Yeah, it, me, it feels different than that. And now it doesn't. It feels like we're back. And I'll be honest, uh, speaking to, to – and I talk to people because, I, as I've mentioned every all the time when I do shows, <laughs> I'm completely out of the closet as a wrestling fan. I don't hide it. I don't wear – you know, uh, I don't wear the T-shirts. I'm not – like, like Joe, I'm not a wrestling T-shirt guy. But uh, I, everybody knows I'm a wrestling fan. Nobody – you know, uh, the, pe- the people, you know, uh, that, I, that I work with that, uh, know I'm a fan. The people that my, my – uh, my professors and the people I go and deal with at school know I'm a fan. They find it kind of amusing because my my history work is not at all related to anything like that. But um, I, I don't – to me, I was shocked at how negative the reaction to this show was mm-hmm. among people who are not hardcores. Because with hardcores, I think it was definitely more positive than negative. It wasn't overwhelmingly positive, but it was definitely more positive. Um but with the, with the – I hate the term casual because I think it denotes something that may not even exist that much anymore. But with the non-hardcore fans that, that, are, that are, I'm friends with and I speak with and I talk, a lot of them I talk to on a semi-regular basis because I work with them or they come into my job or whatever, this show was like universally panned all because of the finish of this main event. Yeah. Like I mean like – and, and even, a lot of these are guys who used to even be Cena guys. And it's just – they're just so they, – they're past it. And that is – that's a real that, – that's why I worry about this safe mentality because I get it. I understand it. I don't blame them for doing it. I'm not one of these guys who says, oh, you got to turn Cena heat. But there, there comes a point where you can't always do the safe thing. Right. And, you know, I, I really feel like um, – with the roster depth issues they have right now too, I'm not sure it's a smart thing to be putting all their eggs in one or two baskets anyhow. So I don't know the main event. Uh, I, I don't know. what do you, what do you think of it, Rich? I didn't like it. I, I, there was a lot of stuff that I really, I, I thought 
Yeah, it, it, I, I like the makeup of the match, and I like a lot of the competitors, and I thought it was going to be good. But I think the one thing that really got me, and maybe maybe this goes to why I rated or, or at least thought highly of the of the first ladder match and didn't like this one, is it didn't kind of check my... I, there's a certain level of, of these multi-man ladder matches that I sort of expect from them. I thought, and I mentioned it on Twitter afterwards... I thought this match would have been a, maybe even better without being a ladder match. It could have been in a cage. It could have been something, an elimination chamber, you know, something different than a ladder match. But obviously we have the Money in the Bank ladder match pay-per-view, so we have to do a Money, uh, Money in the Bank style ladder match. And it just happened to be this because I thought – I didn't think the ladders really made any sort of difference. They were sort of there and they were an accessory to a lot of the spots that people were doing. But overall, it just felt like a normal match. I mean, Roman Reigns did his, you know, drop kicks and his Superman punch and his comebacks and that sort of stuff. And all that stuff was done without any ladder. I mean, there were, there were spots that were done that were nowhere near where the titles were. And guys just climbing up at random points to do whatever they were going to do or this sort of stuff. I just thought, yeah, I, I didn't like this match all that much. And I thought it really suffered. You, you mentioned the first match suffered from a lot of the guys kind of hanging outside of the ring. I thought this one was... On, like there were guys that I had I completely forgot were in the match like Bray Wyatt did nothing that stood out to me he did maybe two things this entire match that really I could remember um, Alberto Del Rio was was a non-factor pretty much outside of a, a few spots here and there uh, Kane was a, a relatively big factor Randy Orton really stood out Randy Orton got the crowd like going which in like the most <laughs> shocking moment is like this guy you, you cut him up hard you know hard way and all of a sudden now he's a he actually people are cheering to him and reacting to him and you know he's climbing the ladder and getting reactions that sort of stuff I thought that was interesting uh Reigns did what Reigns was going to do I mean he sort of had his parts in there Sheamus Sheamus always has kind of a few spots in these but a lot of the other guys even Cena who, who ended up winning there was a long point where I didn't notice him even in the ring at all he was sort of in the back letting other guys do what they were going to do so to me I thought it suffered a lot from that and I really didn't like it because of that it felt like a one-on-one -on -one battle that occasionally some other guys would come into or you know what I what my least favorite thing ever is WWE triple threat matches and it felt a lot like that so I what what were your thoughts on this one? Um, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I, I thought it was uh, good enough for what they needed. Um, I, I The one criticism I definitely agree with is that Cena just disappeared. And then when he won, it felt it, much like the previous match. It felt really flat because, you know, he just kind of showed up and then he won and it didn't feel like a big deal. I mean, you know, it's bad enough that that. Uh, they had to go the safe route with him winning, which I don't really blame them for. But to do it that way, it made it feel even worse mm -hmm. because they're like it was like they stripped the, the, the drama out of it entirely. Now, um, having said that, there, there were much more. I, I actually liked the fact that this was like there definitely was not anything as crazy as this as there was in the other match. But I, I like the fact that this was a match where it felt like um, guys were doing what they were good at and not trying to do things they weren't good at. And that that's, you know, that's kind of an odd mm -hmm. way to, reason to praise a match. But um, I don't know that that was necessarily the case in the first match. Like I thought RVD and Swagger, and, you know, like I don't know that that they were doing stuff that I don't think particularly looked good for them for the most part. Whereas in this match, like I thought Seamus was the best guy in the match. I thought he held the match together uh, mm -hmm. because he was working stiff. He's a, he's a sleeper going back and watching these money in the bank matches. He's a guy that, that I'm not the biggest Seamus fan for, for, you know, day to day or, you know, on, on a weekly basis, but man, these money in the bank matches, when you really watch them in context and see he stands everyone that he's in, he is just 
he's the biggest hoss. He's the one that's body slamming people through ladders or power bombing Sin Cara through a ladder or whatever. He just always stands out in all these. Sorry to interrupt, no, but no, I, he's no, just yeah. a guy that I think if if people go back and watch him, if you're interested in going back, really take a look at Sheamus. Because to me, I was shocked he, going he back. Works I, hard. I didn't realize. He works hard. He works stiff. I, I mean, I think he's the best week-to-week performer in the company in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, you know, with Cesaro being booked the way he's been booked in far, as far as opponents go for the last several months, uh, Daniel Bryan being injured, uh, you know, the only other guy I would put at his level for 2014 is Dean Ambrose. You know, I don't even think there's anybody else that's really on their level as far as week to week what they do in matches. But um, I do agree with you. He works really stiff, I think, which also helps in these matches. Uh, and he took, I mean, he took the biggest bump in the match, which was when him and Sheamus were dangling. He took that flat back bump from the, from the, you know, mm-hmm. which was, is a crazy bump for a guy that size. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, I mean, on most shows you'd see that and go, Oh my God, you know, like it, it didn't seem as bad on this because we saw the Ambrose bump from earlier with the superplex and the, the Seth Rollins on the, the ladder. But I mean, on most shows, that would be the craziest thing you saw. Um, I, I thought it was good. Um, not great. I thought everybody was like, I thought Cesaro was like kind of similar and that he did what he does well, but nothing else. Um, I thought Orton basically did what he does well and bled, which added to the match. Um, you know, uh, I, no, I thought I felt the same way about Reigns. He did his shtick, which I think he does very well. Um, I do think there was too much standing around in this, but it wasn't as distracting to me here. And I think the reason why is because in my mind, I, I knew this match was not going to be the, the crazy spot fest that the first match mm-hmm. was going to be. So because of that, I, I like uh, my, maybe my conception going in was, well, they're not going to be doing as much crazy stuff going in, you know, so the pacing is going to be a little bit slower. So I like when people were complaining about the pacing, it didn't bother me. Um, whereas in the first match, I felt like in order for it to be really, really good, it, it, they needed to have that crazy pacing from the beginning. It basically needed to be a Young Bucks match. You know, like it needed to be like <laughs> 20, 25 minutes of those guys just taking crazy, crazy spot after crazy, crazy spot. So anyway, that's, that's just my general thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't have really super strong thought. I mean, it, it, to me, it was, I, I'm not going to say it was awful. I didn't hate it. I thought it was maybe, see, the problem is, do you classify it as a money in the bank match? Cause I'm trying to think if I would put it, Maybe of, of ladder matches at Money in the Bank pay-per-views. <laughs> it was one of the worst for me. But, yeah, I don't know how to really classify it. It's kind of in a, in a life of its own. But uh, one match before we move on uh, to a few other things. Uh, Rusev Big E, did you like it as much as Joe did? Because that's Joe's – I loved it. I think it's Joe's runaway match of the year. And I'm just joking. But I, I, loved, I thought it was awesome, too. I thought, I thought it was, it was really, really awesome. I, lo- I love the opener, too. I mean, that's why I said, like, I can't call it a bad show, mm-hmm. even though I was underwhelmed in a lot of ways with the book. Because you did get Adam Rose and Damian Sandow. Yeah. And... <laughs> I got I – got I got the Layla Summer Ray Dream match I've been waiting for. So oh right, I yes, can't, I can't criticize it. Uh, Man, that was what a payoff that yeah. was after <laughs> weeks and weeks of that story of that taking extremely over. Extremely compelling story. So I can't I can't be too angry because you know Rusev and Biggie was an awesome match, and it's a match that I think Biggie does really well, which are these sort of sprint like Haas versus Haas matches, and Rusev is really awesome. Uh, you know, just generally, I just like him and I like what they've done with him. Um, and I really like the opener, you know, I mean, I, I know you and you and you and Joe talked, uh, last week, I think it was on the show about tag teams and, and you know, how you guys see the young bucks is running away with the, the tag team of the uh, year award this, this year in the wrestling observer newsletter awards. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I think they will win. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, one of the things you guys also said was that you didn't think the Usos had had that great match yet. And I don't I don't know if I would put this at the level the Wyatts versus Usos. I mean, it wasn't a match of the year contender or anything like that, but I did think it was the best match on the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was a really good performance from both teams. Um, you know, so uh, it, 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 to me, I, I'm not even saying I would vote for the Usos, number one, because I've actually been really impressed with the Briscoes this year, too. But uh, I think the I think the Usos are they're having quite a year and they deserve a lot of credit for the fact that they've gotten over basically by themselves. I mean, they were an undercard team that kind of gradually got put on TV more and more. They got the crowd invested in their gimmick. Uh, they worked really hard and it got over. And now, like you see them in the ring with main event guys and it doesn't they don't feel out of place. And I think that's an impressive thing for a tag team, because so often even the good tag teams in a modern context, when they're in there with main eventers, it's like, all right, these guys are just there to eat the fall. And those shows are pretty good about sort of integrating themselves into the, the matches so they don't come mm-hmm. across as just guys who are there to eat the fall. So uh, anyway, yeah, I, 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 I would say a th- I, it, thumbs in the middle show for me, not thumbs mm-hmm. down, not thumbs up. I thought it was an easy watch more, more than I, I, I thought there wasn't anything that was, I mean, the matches that were awful that were really, really bad were like four minutes long or, or under or whatever, <laughs> but the, the matches that were good took up the bulk of the, the show, which I thought was cool. So I, I was okay with that, but yeah, there, it was a interesting show. Definitely. So a lot of stuff coming out of there that we'll talk about uh, real quick before we move on to, uh, we're going to talk a little Japan here. Uh, WWE battleground. I just want to talk about this. We're, we're actually going to talk about the uh, intercontinental title. I do want to do that later, but uh, battleground, we, we, we sort of hinted at talking a little bit about that. If there's one thing that I hate more than triple threat matches, it's 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 four way matches in WWE because uh. I feel like they suffer from a lot of the same issues that the triple threat does, where it's going to be one on one with the two other guys kind of hanging out for a while. But this one was particularly uh, egregious because you have the authority for whatever reason is very eager to get Roman Reigns a title <laughs> shot, like without any hassle whatsoever. Just hey, you know who's getting a title shot? Roman Reigns. There you go. So, um. What are your thoughts on that initially? If if there is anything yet that you kind of my my thoughts are they shouldn't have broken up the shield. <laughs> like <laughs> I mean I mean on the one hand Ambrose is coming out of it looking great and I love that guy so you know and 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 actually Reigns is getting good reactions and I think Reigns is really over and I think Rollins is over I, although I don't like I like we talked about I don't know how much of that is him and how much of that is the Ambrose thing but um it's inexplicable. Um, I think it's really lazy. Uh, it's yet another reason why I, 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 I keep floating back to my Ambrose idea as champion because it's like, or even if they were going to do this, why didn't they just put Cena in a triple threat with Kane and Orton? Yeah. Like, I, I like why? I mean, I, I guess the if you're going to do it the hard way, we're going to give you one guy that's on your side. Yeah. Like, I guess the mentality, <laughs> we're going to equal the odds. Like what? I guess the mentality is like, Oh, Roman Reigns is going to have to choose. Does he want the title more? Or does he want to be a good guy more? But I mean, who gives a shit about that? And I, and, no. and on top of that, like, I, I, again, I think this is another thing where it kind of exposes how, how light the roster is because I think really the problem is I think they looked around and they go, Oh my God, who the hell do we have Reigns wrestle? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think the, they'd already decided they were going to do some sort of multi-man match for the belt because this is basically a throwaway pay-per-view. It comes three weeks after the last one. They have to throw everything together real quick, and nobody gives a damn about it because SummerSlam's the big one coming up, and everybody knows that. It's patently obvious. So I, I, I what I think they did was, you know, they looked around, and they go, well, shit, there's nobody for Reigns to wrestle. We'll just throw him in the yeah. main event. I mean, that's that's honestly what I think happened. I don't, I don't think there was any more thought put into it than that because they don't want to – they're not going to put him 
um, with anybody down the card. And when the idea was made to bring Bray Wyatt in to wrestle, you know, Jericho, I think that took away the only other possible or Jericho into Brussels with Bray Wyatt. That took away the only mm-hmm. other possible guy that you could really see him against in a singles match for what they're trying to do with him anyway. You know, so uh, it's it's ridiculous. But uh, it, what's funny, too, is it kind of goes to your point earlier. And I don't want to interrupt when you were, you were making that point to kind of jump to this. But you mentioned that Seth Rollins is like the pseudo chosen one that we're sort of assumed. But now he has to wait for his title shot. But the guy that he <laughs> turned on apparently to become to be in a better state or like to move up in the company that guy gets the title shot before he, I don't know. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> I don't and, and not, not only that, not only that, but if you follow the storyline closely, Kane <laughs> is at least in theory in the match to ensure that Orton wins, right? Because they basically yeah, portrayed uh, that Kane himself is not going to get the title. <laughs> okay, that's, that's sort of how it's been presented. Uh, so so that what that means is there's actually two baby faces that really want the title that will be wrestling for the title in the match against one heel. <laughs> <laughs> like because the other heel doesn't want to win the title no. like i mean so the whole thing is idiotic like there's there's absolutely no i mean it's just really bad that pay-per-view look that's going to be it's going to be it's going to be dire i mean it's going to be bad and i'm somebody who who typically is more positive on WWE pay-per-views than the average person but that pay-per-view is going to be dire i i just don't <sighs> think there's any chance of that being anything better than okay yeah, I, like, uh, it, it would be a miracle for this to be a, a legitimately good show. And I really do hope that they hold off on on Rollins and Ambrose because I'm reading a WrestleZone thing right now, and I got you know we don't know anything about that, but they they sort of have the rumored card or whatever, and that one's on there. And I really just like hope and pray that that one just waits. Like if you're gonna have a bad card, and and uh, you know I I feel like you shouldn't ever have a card that's just so awful that it's like the most skippable one ever. But if you're gonna do it, I think Battlegrounds an okay one to do where you just don't give up any of your big matches, where you leave those to SummerSlam, where. It's okay. I mean, you've already kind of set the precedent with the main event that it's going to kind of be a crappy show. So you might as well just go with it at this point. You, you know, to, to ruin Rollins and Ambrose at this point, even to an extent, I, I feel like Jericho and Wyatt would be better served waiting until SummerSlam. Oh, There's I a totally bunch agree. Of I totally agree. I wouldn't book either one of those to SummerSlam. Yeah, Rusev's Jack Swagger is one that they're obviously rumoring. That's another one that maybe I would have something go on here, but I wouldn't give him the whole match. I would do some sort of screwy thing where Rusev refuses. I, I don't know what to do exactly, but something where I would like that to be more of a summer sun. That's a very USA-ish summer one where the battleground is just kind of there. It's just, you know... I mean, honestly... Do, do AJ Lee and Page and uh, book, book, <laughs> championship book a, match and then some other book crap, a, yeah. Book a, ta- book a decent quality tag team match so the whole show yeah. doesn't suck. And, and, they got, and, they, and they could do that very easily. Wouldn't be hard. You know, um, this might be a good show to debut Sami Zayn. Of course, I'm going to say that for every freaking show. But <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, I'm with this, you. this this might be a decent show to do that because they need yeah. roster depth, and it, I think it would get a reaction. And you know, so there's things they can do. But I all I, I do agree that it makes no sense to completely. Um, I mean, it makes no sense to try and go crazy on this card because they've only got three weeks to build it, and it's obviously a filler show between now and SummerSlam. So it just seems like a real waste to throw away. Rollins. Not only that, but like you know how it is. Like, even if you're doing a storyline where there's a a three or four pay per view match arc, <sighs> so often the, like they just screw up the first one so bad mm-hmm. that you just don't care about the rest of them. And <laughs> I really don't want that to happen with Ambrose and Rollins. So I want that to happen on the biggest. Po- I want that to start on the biggest possible stage. Um, 
but we'll see. I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in that card, though. I, 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 like, no, I, I think I, that that's almost guaranteed to be a, a disaster. And I think before, I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but I think we can get to this right now before we kind of get in Japan and overseas and all that stuff. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship <laughs> Battle Royal. Um, do you have as much of an issue with this that I, that I do? So let's let's go back a few weeks. So we, we have a just giant tournament to determine the number one contender for the title. So that, that's cool. That's that's I, I like that idea. That's awesome. That's that's fun. That sort of stuff. Um, then now we, we you know with Bad News Barrett obviously being hurt, we've decided that a battle royal to determine the champion is a good idea. Um, are you as upset? Like well, I wouldn't all, say upset, but just kind of like it, what? Excuse me. But Rich, we got We got to assess this real quick now. How many fucking battle royals have there been in the WWE this year? They, I mean, this has got to be two. Oh, there was what three three weeks ago? We had the Roman Reigns one, the, didn't we? They did the one with Roman Reigns. There, uh, they they did the one Cesaro one. They did the Royal Rumble. I th- want to say there was another one they did. Like before, like in between WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble on TV. I mean, they've done a lot of battle royals this year. That I mean, that's not a gimmick I like, regardless. Okay, I mean, this isn't 19, this isn't 1966 Roy Shire in San Francisco. People don't give a shit about battle royals anymore, other no. than the Royal Rumble. It's you know, people talk about like uh, the overexposed gimmicks in wrestling, and Dylan Hales being overexposed on wrestling podcasts, and <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is unequivocally. But you've been on everyone possible in the past, like this. Like seriously, this is insane. Like I like even even if even if I thought it was a good, like, even if I was like, well, you know, they're just trying to throw something together to get guys on the card, you know, like, and, and uh, it, it'll give other guys who don't get a shot, at least give them a match. Even if that was my mentality, even if that was my mentality, I still would think this is fucking stupid just because they've done so many this year already. Like, like, so to me, this is inexcusable in multiple ways. The only possible argument that I could see and this isn't even really a good argument, but the only possible argument I could see for them doing it as a battle royal is if they plan on giving Kofi the title and letting poor Kofi actually win one of these fucking battle royals where he does something <laughs> no. crazy. Like, that's it. There's, and, I mean, like, yeah. if, if that's the best explanation I can come up for for why they're doing a battle royal, you know it's a pretty bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like it's a hundred percent illogical, and I could, I mean, I get the idea, especially because it's only three weeks between now and Battleground. I get kind of the concept of well, we don't have time to do like a well laid out tournament. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can, I can understand the the mentality there. But you don't even have to do tur- first of all, if they were going to do a four way match, why wouldn't they do? I, and I like you, I hate triple threats, I hate four ways, and WWE can't stand them. But if they were going to do one, why not do it here? Why not? Why not put the top four contenders for the IC title here and have it be an elimination four-way? So, like, basically, a, a, an in-match tournament. I mean, it's not—it's not the greatest idea, but it'd be better than a battle royal, and it would at least make more sense than <laughs> than what they've laid out. I—I—I uh, I, I mean, again, they're just throwing—they're just throwing all these guys, and that was my big problem with the battle royal mania. They have all these talented guys. They didn't know what to do with them. They got lazy with their booking. They just threw all these good guys in a big match yeah. nobody gave a shit about. And this is the same shit here. It's going to be a lot of good workers, good, talented guys, including some guys who are really over, and they're going to be completely wasted in this match. Mm-hmm. 
on, on, a show, I, on a show where they could actually get legitimate time because yeah like this and that's you're bringing that a point up is like you know what you're worth saying that they don't have time to do a, a, a tournament you know what pick the four guys you really think are going to be good and have this tournament happen on you know have cesaro need to win two matches to win the title yeah, on this you could do it here you fill could up, absolutely fill up an hour with that thing do a do a king of the ring style thing where maybe you, i mean you don't do six or eight matches or whatever you just have two matches you know, two, two or four matches, something like that. You know, it's just it's it's unbelievable that they would, you know, they just kind of run right up to this the battle royal man. And and you 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 hit it right on the head. Nobody cares about him. No. I don't think fans care about him. They're they're annoying to watch a lot of times. It's not like the Andre the Giant era, as you you know you mentioned Roy Shire. I kind of look to the Andre the Giant where people just oh man, how are they going to get Andre the Giant out? And that was the story of a lot of those battle royals. And he would just you know throw some jobbers out, and it was that was the yeah, end. No, oh, Andre did win. Okay, cool. Like or you know the Royal Rumble, which I love, but that has a bigger build. Whereas everybody get in the ring, bing ding ding, and everybody just kind of brawl stuff. That does nothing. It's just it's it's silly. So yeah, this and and the names you you can pretty much. I, I guarantee you right now, let's do a little game. Do you know the guys who have been sort of in there yet? No. Or who? I mean, other, okay. other than I think you can guess, though. Here, I have a list. I have a list here. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I, I'm gonna, I have nine guys. Can you name all nine of them? I believe you can easily. Cesaro? Yep. Kofi? Yep. Big E? Yep. <laughs> All right, let's see. God, see, this is bad. I can't even remember who was on the friggin' Ro- uh, uh, Rob Van Dam. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see here. Rusev's going to have a match with Swagger, so yeah, he's not in no it. Rusev. Um, God, who, uh, who's even else in the mid-card? I can't even think of who else is even in the mid-card. Yeah, per, it's perennial mid-carder, two of them. Oh, God, let's see. Uh, fan, <laughs> f- no, it's not Fandango. It's not going to be him. No, no, not yet. He will be for sure. Great Khali, he was announced. Yep, yep, because uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. People oh, yeah. are really interested I'm completely hyped to see Great Khali in that match. I'm sure he'll take a great bump. Um, God, I, I literally can't even think of anybody else. Okay, well, I can, spare you. I can spare you the next four. Uh, Alberto Del Rio, oh, that God. one. Yeah. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, of course. And then the, the two that are kind of odd, Ryback and Curtis Axel have both been named to the... Uh... That's bizarre. Yeah. So, no, okay, you. like, see... <laughs> I feel like Curtis Axel is going to do it. I, I feel you know what? Great... I, I think they're going to do. You know what? I think it's going to be something ridiculous, and the Miz is going to end up with the title. I, I kind of got that feeling. Yeah. Like, like they, nice. I, uh, that, that <laughs> I, I kind of have that feeling that that's where this is going to end. But which makes it even worse, I might add. <laughs> but this is this is not designed to be good. <laughs> no, no, it's. It's it's definitely not. So that, that's that's our, our battleground preview. It's it's not designed to be good. So that's that's our, <laughs> our official. I think we're we're good from there. I don't think we'll cover it anymore up until then. No, I'm just joking. We'll we'll definitely do some previews and stuff on that. So uh, Dylan, anything else in WWE before we kind of move on to overseas and all that good stuff? Um, I don't think that there's anything else we absolutely have to talk about in the WWE. So let's go ahead and move on to Japan. All right, uh, you uh, you watched the Kazuna Road uh, uh, iPay review that was over the weekend. I, I've watched it as well. Uh, Joe had a review that was a little bit late because uh, <laughs> it's, it was a busy weekend for everybody, and and it wasn't a show that you necessarily needed to go out of your way to watch, but a show that I I found pretty entertaining when I watched it. Um, your thoughts on Kazuna Road before we kind of go? We we don't have to go match by match. I thought there was kind of three or four matches that really stood out to me, but but overall thoughts uh, of the show that that of course it's still available uh, through UStream as well, UStream.com or .tv slash New Japan or New Japan JP if you feel like spending a dollar thirty less or whatever the translation uh, of that is. But uh, Kazuna's Road thoughts? Um, like the show? Thumbs up? Thumbs down? 
Um, maybe a mild thumbs up. It was another show that I didn't, it wasn't, uh, it was definitely hurt by the booking, not unlike, uh, the <laughs> WWE pay-per-view. Um, it was, there was, it's actually kind of a hard show to get a handle on. I mean, those hurricane crowds really help the shows. Um, yeah. And I, and I should note before we get in here, this was just a samurai TV and this is the ones that sort of Joe and I talk about that, that you really have to differentiate, look at the price and go, okay, this is not a really, this isn't going to be a very good show. It's $15. Yeah. And this is one that just so happens to be filmed at, at Corican. It just so happens to be on samurai TV. So they say, Hey, you know what? You 1000 people from America that occasionally watch these things. Here you go. You can watch it. And that's, so you do have to sort of understand expectation wise what you're kind of getting into, but, Go ahead. Yeah, but what I, what I would say about this though is, you know, I actually like, I you know, I kind of, I probably have a reputation with some people as being a New Japan hater, which is not true at all. I I, I actually watch a lot of New Japan. Um, I'm just not as high on it as a lot of people are. But um, the thing the thing about I actually really like when New Japan does these sort of um, not loading the card with with stuff shows like i really like the uh december 21st show from last year where they had all the top stars versus people like captain new japan and han mm-hmm. i love that show i thought that was one of the best new japan pay-per-views i've seen so coming into this i kind of had the mindset oh this could be a show sort of like that and in some ways it was um and, and as i said the kurgan crowd really did help uh as they tend to do and um there were i would say I would say there were there were two matches that I thought were were r- real good or better, and then there was a bunch of stuff that was just like there were th- there were things about other matches that I enjoyed, but nothing that really mm-hmm. like uh, I could latch onto, and and in some ways they might have even been slightly underwhelming. But it, you know, you said this about the the WWE show. I thought this was very easy to watch. Uh, you know, like yeah. a very it was, it was a quick show. Yes. It went very nothing was not there was no no match you watched and felt like God, this is still going on. You know, which is one of my biggest criticisms about about modern New Japan, and and it's a criticism that I I do not uh, that I know you and you and Joe don't share, but. That's one of my biggest criticisms. Is so often I'll, I'll watch it one of their one of their bigger matches and think if they shaved five minutes off of this, I would really like it. But it's just mm-hmm. five minutes too much for me. And this show didn't have anything like that. That I, or at least I didn't feel that way. Um, you know, and there was uh, I, I thought some interesting stuff that they set up potentially going into the G1 on this show and going into the pay-per-view that comes up. The, the, is it tomorrow or the next day, the next one? It is. Actually, we were surprised that um, it, it's not on oh, the right. stream. It's, it's not, not showing up. It's not going to be on pay-per-view. That's right. We were we were all prepared, and Joe said, well, you got to talk about the, the July 4th. And for whatever reason, it is not. Uh, I'm still not seeing. I'm checking right now. No, it's still not. Because that, that that's actually a really good card. Yeah. I mean, that, that, interesting... that's, you have the Kushida uh, uh, Ricochet main event. That a lot of people were talking about, um, and a, a bunch of other good stuff that I thought was a really nice sort of bridge into um, into the G one, as you mentioned. But no, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's it is a, it is a really interesting lineup, um, and I and I thought the show was actually an interesting lineup too in a lot of ways. So um, as a whole, I thought you you know I would actually argue, and you may you may disagree with me this, Rich, but mm-hmm. I would actually argue that if you wanted an introduction to modern New Japan, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This might be the best single card you could look at that they've done this year because the things people really like about New Japan, I feel like we're on display here. The things people, um, the, the quirks and th- things people enjoy 
but they are admittedly quirky. We're, are, we're sort of on display here. Mm-hmm. And also the things that have people pulling their hair out were on display here. So this was this was sort of a, a mix <laughs> of all of that. On- no, I, I could I, I get what you're saying, because I think if you look at the different matches, I think the one thing that really lacked for me and, and it continues to sort of become a problem for me. And it's, I'm, I'm hoping I mean, the crowds are still sort of into him but i'm wondering if they're really sort of taking a lot is okada and i'm obviously a huge okada fan but here's another card where he sort of got lost in these tag matches he did his drop kick he did his few spots and then he was just a ghost and and that's that's been how he is for a lot of these tag matches so maybe that's the the pulling out your hair portion i think he's been me, severely I, damaged this year i i yeah. said it i thought the naito few actually i think it goes farther back than that i i think he was hurt by having relatively weak challengers during during the rain last year and I, you know, I, uh, not severely hurt, but I think that was a bad way to build into the, he made the, he made the most of those, but it was sort of an endless string of like, okay, here's Hanma, here's Makabe, here's these sort of guys that never felt like, and, and see, that's the problem. The problem that my biggest Chris in New Japan from a booking perspective is we always hear oftentimes on this show. So I'm, 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 I'm going heel on the show here, but, but, <laughs> He'll turn but we often hear about the genius of Gato and Jado. But when mm-hmm. you actually look at, at what they've done and, and look, it's, it's hard to argue that they've not done a lot right. I mean, the company's profit, profitability's through the roof. They're, they've done wonderful things with the pay-per-view. They're certainly in a better place than they were. But when you actually look at what they've done in terms of creating stars, it's pretty bleak, frankly. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I oh, oh, you got Okada, nobody else. So, and they've had opportunities with these other guys. They've had opportunities with Shibata. Uh, they've had, uh, you know, opportunity with AJ Styles, I think was wasted because they did it wrong. I think they, that could have worked and they did it the wrong way. Uh, you know, they, in my opinion, they, they have a real opportunity still with Ishii, but after this show, it's going to be, I think, a little tougher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they have an opportunity with Ibushi, who I'm not even a big fan of. But they, you know, it's got to get done. They screwed up Naito, so they've got. <laughs> there, this is not all, all, all perfect from these guys. And, and I, yeah, really no, think I, they, I, I think it's been hurt. I think their main event card, even if you still really like the matches, I think the way they've got a lot of issues there with guys that that are credible IWGP challengers, and that's got solved coming out of the G1. I think that's the biggest challenge of the G1 for mm-hmm. them this year, more than anything, other than filling up that dome. Are getting are doing as much as they can there. Is can we establish two or three guys coming out of the G1 who we are going to be credible challengers for our top title going forward? Yeah, and, and I do agree with, with with a lot of that. We we um we we usually as as mentioned we'll sort of give a lot of credit to Jado and Gato and, and their booking. But I've sort of and and I've done it on a show too. I've been slightly critical the past maybe maybe five or six months. I, I haven't really liked a lot of the stuff they've done since Wrestle Kingdom and even a little bit before that I was starting to get a little weary because I'm a I'm a huge Okada fan. I, I, I've made that pretty well known and I feel like they've just, they've had this guy in their lap and they did such a good job of uh, of building him up and they did the risk of saying, you know what, screw it, we're going to push this guy and he's going to get over it and, and he did and they, they did a great job of having him build to Tanahashi to beat Tanahashi and become, okay, here's our next guy. But since then, it's it's really been a, a struggle for him. I mean, he he drew pretty decent houses, uh, you, you know, relatively good. I mean, there there was a few drop offs here and there uh, last year, but man, ever since like the Naito food, as you mentioned, it was sort of it just kind of fell flat, and the Wrestle Kingdom fell flat, and this entire year now has just been. For me, he's been running in place. Uh, Nakamura is a guy who who still gets incredibly over, but has really just not done anything that's been particularly interesting. And I think that's the biggest criticism I've had these six months is that it just it hasn't been very interesting. A lot of the guys, 
are, are stuck in these tag matches, which isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it, it's and it might have been. I mean, people did mention this too. It might have been an issue that now we're seeing so much more of this that maybe. But but I think I, I don't know if there's a ton of credit to that because I'll, I'll get to I'll kind of wrap this. Up. Uh, but I think we're seeing all these cards, and we're seeing these weird, weird tag matches. So we're sort of getting this idea that these guys aren't, aren't, you know, are just getting lost, or like the Okadas or whatever getting lost. And I, I think there's some truth to that that we're seeing this. And, and and usually we wouldn't be seeing these samurai TV shows. So maybe we're overreacting to what we, you know, didn't used to see before. But the crowd reactions are starting to reflect that. I mean, Okada was getting super huge pops for a long time. And they're every time I'm listening to them, they're going down a little bit. Yep. There, there's less and less people that are super into them. I mean, Nakamura still gets pretty big reactions, but that guy was a god for for a year. I mean, Okada was a god for a year. Tanahashi still does pretty well, but he's not nearly what he was. It's just like the whole. There's just this, and, and a lot of it is, and, and we've criticized it a lot in the show, and we've gotten people that have said, "Oh no, you're you know you're overreacting. It's not that big of a deal." To me, the Bullet Club thing is just Terrible. it's 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 suffocating everything. Because you know you're getting – you're just the, – the main events, you used to be able to watch. And, and you sort of mentioned the, the Okada Makabe and the Okada you know, Hanma and these sort of throwaway main events. But you knew you were going to buy this iPay-Per-View. You were going to get a 26-minute clean finish, pretty decent match main event yep. no matter what. And that was fun. That was nice. It was nice to know that you could sit down and you were going to get that. Whereas now it's like you get that Taka, uh, the Yujiro Ishii match, which I really loved. I loved that match. But I finished and I ended it and I was I was I was down on it because the ending was just so it was and the crowds you can hear the crowds too. They don't want to they don't want these stupid finishes. They don't want ref bumps. They don't want guys interfering and, and that sort of stuff. It's just it's and, and in the in turn, as you mentioned, it's really they've tried to get AJ over as this big monster heel. It's not working. It's just it's frankly not. I mean they and they're starting to recognize it too. You look at the G one main events, which we mentioned last week. Yep. Look at those. He's got one. Yeah. So they recognize it too. They understand it, but that's a huge issue. Your 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 champion isn't over, and you know he's not over. Yeah, and and I mean that's not good. Is, the thing is, it, it, a lot of this, and I've been critical uh, of the praise New Japan has gotten, and I feel, and a part a part of me has always has actually always felt bad as I've criticized this because of the fact that I really like that there's a product that people are really excited about. Um, I really like, uh, and a lot of these guys, a lot of the guys I like. I'm a big Nakamura fan. I love Ishii. He's one of my favorite guys, and has been for a long time. You know, so it's it's not as if I, I hate the entire roster. In fact, even a lot of the guys I think people think I hate, I don't actually hate. <laughs> but uh, it's I think this is this is speaks to something I talked about earlier. You know, watching these things in real time, these eye pay-per-views in real time and or, or on like one day delay as opposed to in the old days when you waited around for a tape to come for forever. Um, and even being able to tweet about it in real time. I think that changes because it's like you're watching these shows with your buddy and the, the, you know, cause you've got people right there, even if they're not next to you, you're talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what happens is it enhances our perception of the good. And I'm not saying that to, to diminish, you know, people think the, you know, Tanahashi Okada is the greatest feud ever. And that's fine. I, I'm, I'm not even saying I don't agree with it, but whatever. I, I'm not, I'm not even here to argue that point. But my point is, I think that it enhances, it's like going to a live show with somebody, you're next to them, you're marking out, yo, this is awesome. It's very similar. But also, the flip side of that is, when there's something you don't like, it enhances the bad. <laughs> and I think the Bullet Club reaction, like, I, 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 you know, I think seeing how that sort of unfolded on social media and with hardcore fans in the United States, yes, there are what I call your sort of nominal hardcore fans who are super into it, like into the shirts and stuff like you mentioned last week on the show, Rich. But among the people who are really big New Japan fans that are watching every show, um, 
yeah, there's not a lot of interest in the Bullet Club, and mm-hmm. people are really down on it. And I think, you know, in in a way, it may have reached the point where, like, you know, I read Joe's review for this show, and I think he gave um, uh, Yujiro versus Ishii, which was the main event of the show. Uh, I thought he gave it two and, two and, and a half, half right? stars, which, which is yeah, I thought it was way better. And than to that. me, that's, that's still one of the rare times where I would have <laughs> overrated you know, something honestly, that Joe did. Yeah. To me, honestly, I thought this was Ishii's single best individual performance of the entire I loved it. year. I, I thought it was a great match. I thought it was really good. You know, I thought this was him hitting another home run. You know, on a show that he main evented, which is a big deal, even if it's in a smaller building, that's that's a, that's a big deal for him to be able to do that. Um, and you know, it sucks the way things went down in the match. But, you know, I, again, I, I, I think, you know, and Joe's as big a New Japan guy as there is. But I, I think what happens is, you, like, that negative stuff, you know, it, it, you know it, it, when you really dislike something and you're able to talk about how much you dislike it with your buddies in real time, man, it creates a feedback loop. And that's why I think, <laughs> that's why I think this thing with the book club, even though I 100% agree with you, you know, I, I, part of me wonders – if it's as bad as we think it is, but then I hear those live reactions and I look at stuff and I think it probably is. But the flip side of that is, man, you, it, it could, in a way it could be even worse. Like it, mm-hmm. this could be because somebody raised the specter the other day on the, uh, on the wrestling of uh, the figure four board, the, the wonderful high quality message board over there at the <laughs> wrestling observer site, they raised the specter of, well, you know, Oh, it's the, the bullet club. It's going to be bullet club versus new Japan at the Tokyo Dome this year. Oh my gosh. Jeez. I mean, that would be, <laughs> I mean, that would be so horrific. I, I can't, I don't even know if I'd watch that show. And I mean, that's arguably the second biggest show of the year in wrestling after WrestleMania. Yeah. And I don't even know if I'd watch that show. <laughs> and it's, what's funny is the Bullet Club actually is filled with guys who I like. Yeah, no, but, I, I like a lot of the guys in there too. It's, which just, is... it's just the, the way that the, the, the angle and the story and, and the constant interference, it's just, ugh. It just it drags down the quality of the product. It drags down what differentiated New Japan, which you pointed out, was the clean yeah. finishes and stuff. Like it really, it's I think it severely harms the shows. And I really hope the G1 isn't cluttered with all that crap. I, I yeah, to me that I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed that G1 sort of this cleanse period for for New Japan. As you mentioned, this is the big thing now. Is okay. Okada's got to be a big deal. Nakamura's got to be a big deal. We need Ibushi to take that next step up. Ishii needs to take the next step up. I mean, you have all these guys that are sitting here waiting. You know, Kushida's another one, too. A guy that yep. you got a lot of these guys that are just sitting here waiting for that next little jump where you, you, got, you can main event with Kushida and Ricochet. Like we mentioned, these guys are, are main eventing a show on the 4th that's not on pay-per-view. Is, wait, but... is that Kushida Ricochet or is that Kushida Ibushi? Uh, oh, Kushida. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, Kushida and, and Ibushi, yeah. And, and that's, yeah, another guy that... that you, you, it's just you got these guys. You, 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 there's this, there's, there's. I'm, I'm trying to. Think, there's this kind of cloud of guys that are just sitting here, sort of waiting for their turn once the bull club thing's over. But man, it feels like they've been waiting for six months now, and it's still, it's not going away. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, it's, it's very frustrating from a lot of standpoint. And there's a lot of guys in the bull club too, as you mentioned. I like a lot of the guys. I love Carl Anderson, but I feel like he's being wasted in this. He's going out there. He's doing, you know, mediocre matches in my mind with Doc Gallows and they're 14 minutes and he's only getting, you know, five of those minutes maybe at most or whatever. And it's like that guy, that was a guy that a few years ago on G1 was like a standout. It was like, okay, cool. This guy can really be something, but he's, he's kind of lost in that level. Um, there's just, yeah, it, it's the fact that it permeates a lot of these matches now because there's so many members of it. 
it, it and that's where I think that's one of the criticisms for a lot of people were saying, oh well, you know, AJ Styles is just taking over the Devitt role. But the Devitt stuff was pretty much just contained to Devitt matches and maybe like the opener tag matches. But now it's like it really does feel like an NWO thing where it's just like you hear that music again. And you're like, oh God, like another <laughs> NWO. Like we're on a nitro where every commercial break you'd come back and it was that that long pan shot that they'd always do and you'd hear the NWO music and you're like, oh God, like who now? And it's like, you know, Buff Bagwell and you're like, oh Jesus. Like, <laughs> it's, it's Vincent and Horace Hogan. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. Like do I really have to watch like, yeah, like. Here comes Chris. Oh good, comes Stevie Brian Ray, Adams. yeah. Yeah, Brian Adams versus, yeah, Kurt Henning versus something. It's just like, oh, my God, like enough already. But um, a few matches I want to talk about here before we kind of move into uh, some other stuff is a match that I thought was really good and really a standout match. I'm curious kind of on your thoughts with this was the Goto Shibata and the Makabe Hanma, which I thought was awesome. You know what? Uh, and, and this was one of those matches that sort of fell into the category of there was stuff I really liked about it, but I didn't love the match. Um, mm-hmm. I Part of it was that, it, you know, I love Hanma. He's, he's one of my favorite, maybe my oh, he's second great. or third favorite guy in the promotion, actually. And I think he's really underused. He's the absolute, he should have been in the G1 this year. I think it's ridiculous he's not. Um, uh, but Tenzan's in, so yeah. don't worry. The guy that the guy that could barely go a week Tenzan last time and, is, is and in. Yano, and Yano, and, you know, all, yeah. mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. But, you know, the thing about this match to me was I thought Hanma looked so much better than everybody else in this match. And part of that may just be my bias. But like it was like every time he was in the ring, I got really excited, and then when he tagged out, I was like, "Oh, Maccabee, yeah, it's fine," you know. Mm-hmm. But like I just was waiting for him to be in the ring more. Um, and also in my mind, like this was this was kind of a tough act to follow because the Hanma tag from the previous pay per view from Dominion that was my favorite match on that show. I really yeah. I loved that match. I thought that was, that was a great. really really good match. Um, you know, I, I completely can understand why people preferred the opener on that show, which I I thought was really good too, and even Abushi and Ricochet, which I liked, but not as much as others. But you know, I, I thought this was good. Um, I thought it was it was the kind of match where Godo Godo and Shibata have they they I don't know what the long term plans for these guys are. And like I feel like Shibata has got to I understand that they don't um they probably don't want to blow up this team since it's a relatively fresh team, but I feel like Shabbat has got to be an individual single star at this point. Mm-hmm. So to me, him being in these tag team matches is sort of a holding pattern, like until they figure out what they're going to do. So it's going to be interesting going forward to see what they do with him. Um, and this match to me had the feel of a match where that team kind of was looked like a team that was in an individual holding pattern, <laughs> like, or, or, like they were sort of in a holding pattern. I didn't think they were bad. Um, I thought it was pretty decent, pretty good match. I didn't love it. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, I'm not I'm not the most praiseworthy guy with New Japan. So yeah. I, I think uh, you know, if I think something is is pretty good, there's a good chance that a, a bigger New Japan <laughs> fan would probably think it was good or really great. So keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, I love the, the the Hanma sort of comebacks and him just taking offense. Like nobody just takes uh, offense, and and nobody takes offense and then comes back with just this fl- like I forgot the exact spot in this match, but there was something where I, I think it was Goto or no no Shibata was going for his uh, his flying drop kick, and and he just ran he he got to the other ropes and he was running over to do it and Hama just run ups, it runs up and just clotheslines the hell out of him. The crowd just goes ape shit. They just love when Hama just gets his ass kicked for 20 minutes and then just pops up and does, you know, they, they live for that. And he's, he's so good at doing it and making it look like a believable thing where it's not just, not just a guy that's sort of not selling. He sells like crazy. Oh, he's great at selling. He's excellent at it. Yeah. He's so good at it. Him and Ishii are the two guys who 
are, I think are masters at that sort of mm-hmm. taking the impact, selling the impact, but still being able to deliver offense in a credible way. Yeah. I think those guys are both brilliant at that. And I agree with you in Shibata, and that's that's something that's it, it, when we saw the stuff come out about Tanahashi, sort of how he disliked Shibata, and and they were always kind of upset about him, you know, leaving when when business went bad or whatever. And that might be one of the things. I don't know. Have you, you're familiar with that story, right? Yeah, we yeah, talked about yeah, it a few weeks absolutely. Ago, so yeah, I, I think everyone's kind of familiar with that. Tanahashi and his his book translated basically basically put down Shibata, said he didn't really like his style, he didn't really like how he sort of presented himself how he you know his his tights how he you know promos basically just everything and, and really just disliked how he left when new japan really needed him badly and and how there maybe is a resistance to sort of go that next step with him but he's a guy i, I a year ago i was saying the exact same thing that you are of okay this guy's this guy's a real deal let's let's do something with him i even said okada shibata at, at one of the big shows could be a big deal people would be love to see that because it's you know it's two good looking dudes it's two guys that can really go that sort of stuff it's 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 super marketable and and they haven't really done it yet they've been sort of weird with shibata and I've sort of given up, and that's that's not good. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mentioned? Like he's the guy that I used to every time he was go up here. I was like, all right, cool. We're seeing the, the you know he's getting a little bit better. He's moving up the ladder, and now it's just kind of he's at a holding pattern at, at this point. It is it is a little disappointing. Um, another match I want to talk about real quick, and and we we sort of talked about the main event already, so we don't necessarily have to do that one. But I thought another one that I really wanted to talk about real quick was uh, the, the Tanahashi Time Splitters versus uh, Naito Ibushi and Desperado was. The one thing that really stood out was thank God they actually gave Desperado more than two minutes to, <laughs> to wrestle because he's a guy that I haven't seen a ton of his stuff. Um, you've probably seen a lot more than I have because I'm obviously not a huge you know, lucha guy and I, I watch him from time to time. But he's a guy that – these openers, he does these little – you know, those 11-minute openers and he gets a minute and does like three cool spots, tags out, and you never see from him again. This one I thought he really stood out and he really got over in my mind. Yeah, and he has a singles match on this coming show versus uh, Alex yeah. Shelley. So it was good that they gave him – you know, sort of the opportunity to, to look like a star. This was a very enjoyable match, actually. Um, uh, I, this had a little bit of everything, like you mentioned, where where you kind of got... This was like a sampler. Yes. If I had to show, like, New Japan to anybody, I think this is one, because you had Abushi doing his high-flying stuff. You had Tanahashi doing some of his Tanahashi stuff. You had, you know, the Time Splitters doing what they... I thought it was a very... A, a good way to sort of get people ready for what you're sort of going to expect from a lot of these guys in New Japan. I thought this was a really good one. Yeah, I thought it was a very, it, it was, it was for what it was, it was very good. Uh, you know, like uh, did I think it was a very good match in like the, the big picture sense? It was, I'd probably put it more in the good. Yeah, I mean, it only lasted 10 minutes. Yeah, I but, mean, that, I, but yeah. to me, you know what it kind of felt like? It felt like, uh, and this was to, in the eyes of some people, this might sound demeaning, but I don't mean it that way. It, 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 it kind of felt like a, one of those really good raw, raw SmackDown trios where yeah. you get six guys who are kind of, it's kind of an eclectic blend and you put them in there and you just let them do their stuff and everybody gets their stuff in. It looks good. It flows very well. Um, nobody sh- outshines anybody else, which I think is key to those sort of matches. Cause you want everybody to have their moment and, and nobody to be diminished. And, uh, yeah, I, that was really good. I mean, I, I, I think, um, you know, the 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 big takeaway from this, too, is this is another really good Kushida performance. And I, I feel like he's a guy this year who's had a real yeah. breakout year. You know, I mean, he's probably my my top two or three guys in all of Japan this year in the ring. So this was this was another really strong performance from him. And I this is a match I would recommend people see. Like, if you know, if you don't want to watch the rest of the pay-per-view, that's up to you. But this is yeah. this is one of the About two, 10 minutes of your life. Yeah, this is it, one yeah. of the two matches. The other was the main event. And and. and you know, uh, again, we did talk about the main event a little bit, but one thing I just want to say about the main event is, to me, the main event um, was, you know, it, it, 
I really honestly think it was Ishii's best performance of the year. As an individual mm-hmm. performance, not his best match, but as an individual performance, because to me, Yujiro could have been replaced by any, like, yes, yeah. he could have been replaced. You could have yeah. put any, like, southern indie wrestler who's, who's half-trained or better in the Yujiro role in this match. And it would have been just as good. Agree, and I'm not yeah, even totally. saying that as a knock on Yujiro. I mean, that's just, it was just Ishii selling. That was his match. I mean, yeah, Ishii, it was, that was, I he took that was, match over. I thought it was Ishii basically playing, uh, and this might be why Joe didn't like it. I, I thought it was Ishii basically playing the Jerry Lawler role. You know, sell, selling. <laughs> that could explain a lot of why he didn't s- like selling it. For the, selling for the bulk of the match, selling the impact for the bulk of the match, making his sort of fiery Jerry Lawler-esque the strap comebacks with the headbutts and everything, but getting cut back down to size and then firing up again. And then it's a bunch of heels, you know, now of course the bullet club is a really shitty version of the first family. And I don't know if anybody, if anybody in that group is as good a worker as Jimmy Hart, but the point, the point is that, no. <laughs> that, that was, that was the, the vibe I got from it. Now, having said that, and, and I love Memphis wrestling and I love Jerry Lawler. Having said that, at the end of it, it was like, what the fuck? And you could absolutely hear that live crowd when Ishii lost that belt. It was like somebody ran up to everybody there and stomped on their nuts. You know, like it was not the reaction you want. You know, it wasn't heel heat. It was, you've got to be shitting me heat. And and that's it's it reminds me exactly of the AJ Styles and the Nak- and the uh, the Nakamura and and, and Belak Valley one where it's like that one two three and then there's just like a uh, like a gasp and then just like as we said this the air is literally sucked out of the entire arena and they they don't make a a peep yeah I mean it was they just it, they all scary. quietly walk out of the arena and it's just like oh okay it's, well, like, honestly it's scary like and you can't do that three times no. I mean that's that's the biggest thing that took me away is okay I get it with the AJ one you try to do the risk I almost get it with the folly but I wouldn't have done it but to do it to say you know what fuck it we're gonna do it again well and, and the reason Man, I think that's it was not so that's bad, ballsy that's <laughs> the reason I think it was so bad in this case is Ishii is a guy arguably the most over guy in the entire company this year and he's the guy who I think is in the best position to be made coming out of the G1 yeah and you could you could make an argument that he needed to lose the title going into the G1. You can make that. There is an argument to that. I, I could see an argument that says, look, you, 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 you kind of take him down a peg, diminish the expectation slightly coming into the G1. Then he makes a hot run and maybe, maybe goes, I, I mean, I would love for him to win it. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, you know, there, it is possible that he could be, you know, in contention on the last day. I think that's a very possibility. And maybe maybe that's the mentality but i don't really think that's the mentality i just think it's we're going to put all the belts on the bullet club <laughs> all the singles titles are going to be the bullet club i don't think it has anything to do with well i shouldn't say anything i don't think it has a lot to do with that that you know kind of let's cool them off and then have them you know get a really hot run in the g run i just hope that you know that they realize what they have with him and they realize what they have with even Ibushi too, who again is not even a guy I'm a big fan of, because these guys are both really, really over. And I feel like if, if you're going to elevate guys, you got to do those are the two guys to do it with, and the, the time to do it is now, not in three months, you know, not 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 next year. You need to do that now. Is you know, and and yeah. uh, even if you're going to continue the Bullet Club crap, that's still not an excuse not to elevate those guys. Right. And, and that's, I think that's my biggest issue w- with a lot, and, and we'll move on here, is that, yeah, as you mentioned, w- when it was Prince Devitt that was doing it, I feel like guys were still getting over in addition to, to, to Devitt and the Bullet Club sort of doing their own thing and getting over, because they were. They were legitimately getting over for, for an extent, but now it's really got to a point where it's just, 
it feels like it's just, as I mentioned, suffocating, I think, is the best thing. And the, and the crowd reactions sort of give that is a lot of guys are kind of falling to him and, a lot, and, and nobody's gotten the revenge yet in a lot of ways. I mean, some guys have gotten it here and there, but no one's really had their big revenge spot. And, and I'm hoping it's got to come at some point because you can't, you can't have an NWO thing again. I hate to kind of bring them up again, but it was a thing where it was just so easy to just have the NWO beat them down, beat them down, beat them down, beat them down, and it never... You know, you never paid it off. You had Sting sort of have a, you know, a stupid win, and, and that was it. And then it was back, and you had Goldberg have a, a little win here and there. But you need to sort of – and I wonder if they're sort of scared of when do we make this decision that, okay, tomorrow the Bullet Club is – you know, they're destroyed. They're done. Everyone's going to beat them, and, and we'll move on. I feel like they haven't really – I don't know if they're scared, if they haven't figured out the battle plan, but I think G1's got to be that one to me. I think that's a great time to just sort of prove that the the wrestler is, is better than the, you know, the – the cheater stable guys. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's to me. I'm I'm looking forward to it being sort of a, a cleanse period. I, I hope you're right. I really man. If it's if it's Bull Club in New Japan at the Dome, you've depressed me since you said that. I don't know who said that, but <laughs> it wasn't I, my I, idea. And I, I need to and cry I'm, now. Yeah. I'm hoping that they don't do that. I'm really hope because I. I uh, but I I do you know when I think about it, it's like oh my god, that's a distinct that possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's a real yeah. possibility. <laughs> and maybe that is I mean maybe that's the point where they all the New Japan guys all take it back but man I, I, I wanted it to be cleansed by the dome I want it done by the dome oh god because then you, you, we're talking about another four or five months of just ugh, <laughs> like just total I don't want to get into it you're depressing <laughs> me we don't even know if that's actually what's going to happen so um, real quickly I wanted to uh, touch on I mean a card that we sort of mentioned here the July 4th show that New Japan's doing I'm surprised. I thought it was going to be on Ustream. I still feel like it's going to be at some point. I, I, I'm shocked it's not, but it's a, it's from Currican Hall, so I, I don't know why it's not. I'm, I'm going to have to look at it a little bit more, but it's not on the Ustream page. Obviously, this is the, this will be the Friday morning show on the 4th of July for us. Uh, the main event is Kota Ibushi and Kushida. As you mentioned, you also have the El Desperado uh, Alex Shelley match, which looks like a lot of fun. You have Naito and Tanahashi versus Shibata and Goto which could be pretty cool. Just a whole load of guys put in against the, the Bullet Club. It's Kozlov, Romero, Ishii, Okada, and Nakamura versus the Bullet Club. Uh, then there's just a bunch of other throwaway kind of tag matches. But but those first kind of two matches there, really, the Kotobushi Kushida, the two singles matches, and then the El Desperado, Alex Shelley, are, are very interesting. So I, I'm hoping we get our hands on the show pretty quickly because I'd be interested to see it even if it's not on Ustream. But... Um, kind of shocking that one's not on there, but either way, that's all right. Yeah, I, I think that's another it's another kind of cool grab bag of show, and I, I w- I'm excited to see it. But, you know, who knows how long the Ustream thing is going to go on, Rich? Did you see today? Yes, I was I was trying to get – yeah, so what what are the details that you've heard on that? I've, I've tried to do a little bit of research independent of uh, – because obviously you're talking about Court Bowers. Yeah, Court Bowers, all I know – Yeah, he started all it. All I know is Court Bowers mentioned that – uh, and I don't even know where he mentioned it because it was just I just saw it. Uh, he mentioned it on the Bauer and Pollock. Um, I, I haven't got to that point yet. I was listening to it before we went on the air here to try to find out where it was exactly that he mentioned it. But uh, I, I didn't get to that point yet. So all I've sort of heard is probably what you heard as well. He, he well, basically just said that that Ustream's looking to get out of the iPay per view game. And boy, that that's I mean that's a game changer if that happens. Yeah, that, I mean I. I um, I don't know why they would do it. I don't know if there's, I mean, obviously it's gotta be a monetary reason. There's no other reason why you would get out of it. I mean, if you're a company, you get out of stuff because it's not profitable. That's basically how it works. So, um, it's gotta be some sort of fiscal issue. I don't know what the fiscal issue would be. I've never gotten the impression that they were a company that was having problems, but it's not like I've followed the financials of Ustream very closely. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, man, 
that that would be very interesting. Yeah, that'd be a game changer. Yeah, for I, and I don't know. A lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, that would uh, New Japan in the way um, it's viewed, the way it's covered, the way it's talked about, especially more so than any other promotion would. I mean, I would change a lot if that happened. That would be, you know, that would be kind of like the equivalent of, you know, uh, a promotion losing TV in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, and actually, there's something similar that, that's kind of happened, uh, not as not as severely, but uh, uh, CMLL announced that uh, they're not showing the Friday night shows on Terra.com anymore. Oh so, no, really? Because yeah. I that, that's every so often Joe would uh, would inform me if I was home on a Friday and I'd notice he's watching. I'd kind of watch it as well. And I know there's a lot of people. I mean, Friday nights were a fun little uh, Twitter follow for a lot of the guys that were watching. That's that's interesting that they wouldn't do that. Yeah, and I, I mean the the TV situation is that financial as well again. I don't know. The TV situation in Mexico is always so weird that you never really know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just announced, I think today, I, I read on Lucha World that that. Uh, that they're not doing that anymore. So uh, that's too bad. Uh, You know, that was, it was really awesome following the, uh, the in Busca Un Idolo. God, my Spanish is terrible. Tournament. (laughs) It's it's uh, better than mine. Trust me. Tournament uh, through there. And uh, you know, I, I, it stinks. Maybe it'll be back down the road. Who knows? I mean, fortunately we still have the, the great Cubs fan who does his, due diligence getting uh the lucha available to us we may talk about some of that a little bit later but uh, yep. those are two kind of two kind of bad news potential things sort of floating up in <laughs> today or in the last couple of days regarding getting easy content from international promotions yeah it's, it's so I, i'm sort of I, I was when i first heard that people had said i, I tried to listen to him but obviously i mentioned i, I, I couldn't get to the point where he started talking about it because it wasn't timestamp. but uh I, i'm going through their site and i'm kind of doing some stuff to see if if you stream if there's anything on the website that sort of indicates um you know it, it indicates that there's any issues or that they're not accepting new you know pay-per-view providers or or anything like that as far as i can tell on the website it doesn't show anything so i i hopefully what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna li- when we're done with this podcast and and i'm telling this in real time and people have <laughs> well, by the time they're gonna listen to it i'll probably but i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna try to listen to the rest of that podcast walk the dog or do something like that and try to get what he said exactly but as far as i told i think he just sort of danced around the fact that Ustream's not totally into um you know pay-per-views going forward so what that means if they're gonna close it immediately or if maybe they're gonna close it to a few people maybe higher you know higher commissions they're going to want out of these who knows but that'll be very interesting but yeah if it if it if it cuts away from i mean it's not just new japan too it's dragon gate uh, yep. a company we'll mention here in a little bit it's ring of honor recently has sort of re-emerged as, as a ustream i mean there is plenty of wrestling on there that, that's ustream and i know mma fans too I, i'm not a big mma guy but i know there's plenty of cards on there that people watch on ustream so that'd be a huge blow i mean I'm, it's not to say that no one's going to come in and sort of take over from them but man that would hurt a lot. <laughs> it would not be. It would not be ideal, especially no. for the the insane uh, consumers of huge amounts of wrestling, such as myself. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's been a very easy way, and, and just the, the system's great too, and it's just high quality and all that sort of stuff. Man, that would that would suck. So hopefully, uh, I'll have an answer for you guys. Hopefully, pretty soon, as far as what he said on on the podcast to try to get an idea. But uh, uh, speaking of another company that's on uh, iPay per view and I and UStream. Uh, specifically, uh, Dragon Gate, and obviously you're not a uh, as big of a Dragon Gate fan as Joe. I think that's safe <laughs> to say. I think that's the understatement of the year. But uh, I thought real quick we'd go over this um, this card here real quick, and this is taking place uh, Thursday morning at 5:30 a.m. So 
make sure to get up early. By the time you're listening to this, you might have already happened. So uh, we're, we're supposed to have a review at some point um, on Thursday. But uh, really quickly, I wanted to go over this card. Do you have any big thoughts about it, or have you really kind of looked into it? Or I, I know you're very, very casual Dragon Gate I, guy. I, I, I haven't looked at it closely, but I'm willing to comment as, at, at the, on the back end when you run through the card. And I do have a, yeah, okay. I do have a broader comment about the Kobe Hall show. So yeah, you know what? Yeah, and, and the Kobe World is obviously coming up too. I thought instead of kind of breaking it down, uh, you know, match by match, because there's a lot of kind of interest. I don't think this is sort of that mega show that we're looking for. The Kobe World one is going to be the real mega one that they're sort of building too. But um, I, I thought there was a few matches here that I really wanted to talk about. And maybe get your thoughts on this. Ones that stood out to me. Uh, the first one was the Mad Blanky, which Cyber Kong, uh, KZ, and and Monday Rio versus uh, We Are Team Veteran, which is the greatest name for, for a team ever. Because <laughs> you had any idea of what they are, they are Team Veteran. So there you go. You got Don Fuji, Gamma, and then the Stalker. So I thought this is uh, one that kind of stood out because. Uh, I just love the, the team veteran and Don Fuji, especially. I love Don Fuji. Don Fuji is my favorite guy in he's promotion. Just... So as we mentioned, if, if you've listened to us talk about Dragon Gate, he's a guy that just has no time for all these shenanigans that goes on around him in Dragon Gate. Like you have these weird dudes that are doing their flips and stuff and he has no time for it. He's just like he just slaps him upside the head and says, Stop, you know. Get down on this mat and let's wrestle. <laughs> you know. It's... Yeah, he he's my favorite guy in the promotion. And, 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 I could see that. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I really like Don Fuji. He, he like, I think he stands out. Um, my biggest criticism of Dragon Gate as a whole is I, I just don't think anybody stands out. Uh, yeah. But and that, that's true. But we mentioned that too. But Don Fuji, I think, really stands out as a as like a, a different sort of charming presence on that roster. So that's actually a match I'd probably be excited to see. Actually, on, on paper, that's something I would watch. And Cyber Kong's a lot of fun too. A lot of people don't really like him, but but I, I just like he's so much different as as you mentioned. He's another guy that's just like this big. He's sort of like an '80s monster heel type of guy. So it's kind of fun to watch him in there. But yeah, this is a match I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, another one is the Jimmy's versus Monster Express. The Jimmy's is uh, Genki Horiguchi uh, and uh, Jimmy Susumu uh, versus uh, Yoshino and Ricochet, which is one that I'm probably gonna like a lot more than you will. But uh, one that I think is if you're looking for sort of this typical Dragon Gate spotty style this is this is going to be a good one this can be one to watch for sure and, and see here's the thing about this match i think this is interesting because you know we, we're seeing ricochet here and obviously ricochet's a guy that is probably i would say for most people most commonly associated with dragon gate i mean he's worked <laughs> a lot of places but i think dragon gate is the company most people associate with him match i'm not saying this is a throwaway match because it's not necessarily but he's on this and then he's currently not on that kobe show and i think that's really interesting yeah. I think that's really mm-hmm. interesting that a guy who had that had their top title is not on these shows, and that might speak to something going forward yes. with New Japan. So yes, you know, we, we've heard that obviously from Dave Meltzer reported that New Japan is 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 all on board of having him come in for more than just a few dates here and there. So that uh, very interesting, very very interesting. That yeah, I, that, we'll, we'll we'll wait to see on that. But Jaren gets very good about trying to get their cards out ahead of time. So the fact that he's not on the Kobe show is is. Because people are saying, oh, maybe he'll be added later or whatever. They're pretty good about well, e- you know Even if he is, show. the fact yeah. that he's not in that advertising He's not a featured is, is guy, yeah. Exactly. You know, like, even right. if he ends up working on the show, it's like earlier this year, you know, and it was, it was a surprise when he won the title, you know. And uh, earlier this year, I think a lot of people thought, boy, this guy could be, in some ways, maybe even the new face of the promotion. I mean, I heard people say that. Uh, and Dragon Gate... I don't really think has a face of the promotion, or at least I would argue they don't, although I don't follow no, I, I nearly don't as so. closely as other people. But, um, you know, it's interesting to me that he's gone. And I, by the way, I'm not saying this as a, as a dig at Ricochet. My point is I think there, we may, there definitely may be something to this New Japan thing because 
if they're phasing down on how they're using him, the only reason I can think, and granted, Dragon Gate, their shows are booked differently than a lot of other promotions. So like I said, they don't really have a guy. But if he's not being pushed at the top of the card or near the top of the card or in a super featured role, you know, you could argue that something's already been done with New Japan. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of the big picture thing that I think is the most interesting aspect, both of this show and coming out of Kobe. Yeah, definitely. And, and looking, he is booked on sort of the other little side shows. But yeah, the, the fact that he's not booked on the, the Kobe world is pretty telling. Maybe he's in the uh, the International Dream Tag match, sure which is to be. be announced versus to be announced. I'm so, sure he will be in that match. I know you're salivating at this to be announced <laughs> versus to be announced match, but why, why would you I don't, Why would you put that up? I don't you can give us that's that's a Russell one style um, yes. where it's like X versus X, X by our pay-per-view. X. Yeah, gotta love it. Buy our pay-per-view right now. Um, uh, other matches, I think, uh, here's another one that's going to be another you know, high-flying affair is the uh, Millennials is Eita, Flamita, and T-Hawk versus Monster Express, which is Akira Tozawa, Shingo, and Ua Nation. That could be fun. I mean, yeah, that could be that's... fun. I, I, I do like Flamita, and uh, you know, I actually like uh, Tozawa a good bit. Um, yeah, because that was my guy. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, he's he's underrated, actually. He's just a charisma magnet. I mean, I, I, I it, it's it's pretty ridiculous, but I could probably vote him for most charismatic every single year in the Observer thing. No, no, he's no, just I he's just that. insane. Yeah, he's just like everything he does is just he gets the crowd. I mean, he he makes the crowd do whatever he wants, and and any match he's in, he's the focal point. Some people don't like that. Some people think it's too much, but I I'm fine with it. Yeah, I've got he, no. He, I have no problem with him taking over matches in Dragon Gate. <laughs> yeah, right. Somebody's got to do it. It's a hard job, but someone's got to do it. Um, and then the main event is the special tag match, and that is uh, Yamato and Naroki Doi versus BB Hulk and BB Masa, which is uh, Mochizuki. The, you know, that is like to me. That's that. Like, I'll, I'll, let me put it this way: I have no interest in that match at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a that's a match that I can't envision any scenario in which I would want to watch, to be honest, although I do like Mochizuki. But I will say this, that kind of feels like sort of like the equivalent of the Shibata Goto versus is it Tanahashi and, and Naito match that's on the Yes, yeah. That kind of feels like the that's Dragon Gate equivalent yeah. of that match to <laughs> set up for the big you know, the big Kobe show. So that, that is a match that, uh, I think, and obviously Yamato versus BB Hulk is the main event exactly. uh, as far as you know, of the, of the Kobe and, show. And so I, think, just, I think that could be, uh, I think that that match is probably going to be positioned to steal the show, of course. But mm-hmm. I also think it will, it could, uh, kind of tease what they're going to do at the big show at Kobe. So yeah. that's kind of a relevant match. Even if you look at this card and you say, well, yeah, I'm into dragon gate, but it's not the big show. You know, it's, uh, that that that's a match that I could see being a, a selling point for a lot of people. Absolutely. And I, I think it's gonna be fun story-wise. And, and if you're not really into this, if you haven't really followed the story, um, there, there's a big stuff and it would take forever for me to try to explain <laughs> it, but, but they're very good about having videos before. So if you do watch that show and you're not, you're like, ah, I don't know if I know the story, they do a very good job in my mind of really kind of recapping um, uh, the stories. And obviously you don't know the language, but you'll see from the videos. Yeah. This, it stems from, you know, BB Hulk wanting to leave, you, you know, his, his stable. And I, I, you know, I get to keep the character, you know, the characters of Mad Blank, I get to keep the color and then I'm saying no and it's built up very well it, it, it's 
look, I'm, it, I'm not a Dragon yeah. Gate fan. Okay, that's no secret. All right, I got a lot of my buddies are Dragon Gate friends. My good friend Alan is a Dragon Gate friend fan. But <laughs> I, I, I'm just being honest. I'm not a Dragon Gate great guy. However, however, Dragon Gate does what they do very well. It it, it happens to be something I'm not a fan of, but they are very good at what they do. In fact, yeah. I would argue that when you're talking about promotion of the year this year, you can make a strong case that they're the front runner yeah. in terms of delivering what their fans want, which is kind of what my standard for that award is delivering to your base and trying to expand your base, doing well, uh, you know, hitting your business goals, uh, not falling flat on your face, not screwing up angles and booking. And, and I mean, like uh, to me, and I'm not, I don't even like Dragon Gate. But to me, they're they're probably the promotion that's done that best this year. Maybe yeah, Ring of they're, Honor. they're boringly like consistent. Honor, yeah, know? but but Dragon Gate is the is is probably the most consistent. Yeah, and and as I said, boringly consistent because it's like <laughs> as you mentioned, not a lot stands out. You watch these shows and they're going to be good. Every match is going to be kind of the same sort of thing. And for some people, I mean, I I've personally enjoyed it because it's like you know what you're going to get. You go like I mentioned with the the New Japan stuff. You used to kind of watch these shows and know kind of what you were going to get and you know i mean i i can envision this entire card in my head already and that's okay because i'm still going to like it but yeah it, this is another one that if you do buy it understand that it's not it's building to the big kobe show so there's going to be a lot of fun stuff and, and most dragon gate shows are at least a certain level of fun but if you're looking for these big sort of blow off angle things or you know that sort of stuff you're not going to quite get it but if, if you're a dragon gate fan you kind of know what you're getting out of this so it is available on Ustream. Uh, that's gonna be thursday morning at 5 30 a.m so as I mentioned, a lot of people that are going to be listening to this, it already did happen, but it is still available on Ustream, uh, Ustream.tv slash DragonGate to watch that. So that's about it for DragonGate. Any other thoughts on that? I don't necessarily think we need to go through the uh, the Santa Maria Dragon Kid KNS match. Or... No, the, the only thing I will say is let it be noted that I was very fair to DragonGate on this show. That is really, yeah, I was surprised. I, as I put it, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to talk DragonGate. I, mean, you, I, I was good. very you, fair. You See, nice I'm, saving, nice. I'm saving it all for Joe. We know what happened. Joe heard I was going to be on the show. He's ducking me. He, he, didn't, <laughs> he, he, he cowardly backed down from this. That's actually not what happened at all. But <laughs> let's, see if he's, let's see if he's tweeting on his, uh, his, his personal account. That's how we can usually tell. If he's watching a Reds game, he could have he gotten away from that. The, but... Okay, the last two was five hours ago, so maybe okay. All right, but I, let's check his replies. Record, okay, five hours. All right. For, for the record, for the record, you were very fair. I was very fair to Dragon Gate. You were. So you can't Bravo. you can't come after me, Joe. When, when <laughs> you can't come after me and say, oh, you know he, you know how he is, blah blah. You can't come after me with that Jersey accent. You can't do it. You got to save that for somebody else. I hear enough of that shit from my wife. She's got she's from New Jersey too. So oh god, yeah. so you get Joe and, and your wife just screaming at you about how much of an asshole you are. Yes, so. but my wife doesn't like Dragon Gate, so. I know. Oh, well, <laughs> then I don't like her. So that's, that's probably a nice woman. So she lets you watch as much wrestling she as does. you do. So she's, she a, she's a very nice so woman. So if it so wasn't for so her, she wouldn't be talking. No. So, yeah. Uh, mine, mine sat down and watched Money in the Bank with me, which God bless her. I don't know. Yeah. I can't get her to watch like independent or Japan stuff. See, but it's right. funny. My wife will watch Lucha with me. She really, and, and she really enjoys that. Uh, that's cool. Because it's just, I think it's like, a, she feels like it's almost a cultural experience, which it really is in a way. Yeah. But she, she, that's, and she'll sometimes watch WWE, but man, if I tried to get her to sit down and watch New Japan, forget it. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I've, I, I go to like uh, AEW is, is right down the block from me, and there, there's a few shows where I'm, I'm I'm on my way to go, and I'm like, ah, should I ask her if she wants to go? And I'm just like, yeah, go out with your friends and drink wine. <laughs> like, I, it's just the idea of bringing her to like a sweaty like, because I feel like you can kind of get away with like the WWE thing, or as you mentioned, lucha, because it's a fun. It seems like a party a lot of times when you got you know the dancers out there and and everything is it, it, as you mentioned, it's a cultural experience. It's like a it's like a TV show inside of a wrestling show and, and that sort of say but like bringing her to like an arena to watch like independent wrestling like that's a whole different animal my, like my, i can't my wife is i can't my wife has actually done that a couple of times in the last year for the one local well, indie that runs her. here and she knits the whole time and i think it's awesome <laughs> she just she just knits the whole time she pays no attention she doesn't that's great. she doesn't care that that's transparently offensive to the guys on the card some of whom i actually know and some of whom she knows too which is even funnier Kill heat. so yeah it's it's pretty great that's awesome that's that's great um I'll stick with Japan, and then I think we're going to do a little tour, as we mentioned, back to Lucha, as, as we said. Uh, Japan, you wanted to talk a little bit about All Japan Pro Wrestling, which we, we talk about from time to time here. Uh, specifically, a match that happened on June 15th that's available if uh, you are good at searching through Google and certain sites and, and know certain people. But it's uh, the Junakiyama versus Amori uh, fight, which I thought I watched it earlier today. I thought it was good. I think you probably like it a little bit better than I did, and I saw why you did. I enjoyed it, though, a lot. And that's not something you... I mean, All Japan's consistent, but... Man, there it's 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 good or it's bad with New Japan lately, and I thought this was one of the good. Yeah, I mean, this is I mean, all Japan, they're just in. Rough. I guess I should say, yeah, you know, before before we get into talking about this match, we sort of glossed over it, Joe and I, about the news of All Japan, which if you haven't heard, All Japan is breaking up again into like a. Yep. I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a necessarily like a, a breakup or just sort of a restructuring. Essentially, what it was is uh, on June fifth, and, and I kind of copied this from a, a press release. Uh, All Japan announced that a corporate restructuring was taking place on July first. So obviously, we, we've we've now hit that, uh, which would see uh, June Akiyama take over as the the promotion's new president. Uh, and they also the corporate name change is now being. It, did you see what the name was translated as? It's All Japan Pro Wrestling, like corporate stock holdings or whatever is what. <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's Kabushika or Kabushiki, uh, Kabu, uh, and again I don't. Uh, Kabushiki Gai Isha or you something. You knocked that one out of the park, Rich. I, I definitely got that one. Yeah, I, I tried to do it on Google Translate and it didn't really help me at all. But essentially, it was like I, I asked somebody to translate and it was like corporate stock holdings or something. So it's apparently called New Japan Pro Wrestling da or All Japan Pro Wrestling dash corporate stock holdings or something like that. And I'll, I'll get Yatsume to do the official translation, but essentially not very good is, is the way. And they're, uh, they're also relocating their headquarters from Tokyo to Yo uh, uh, Yokohama. So it's a, All Japan Pro Wrestling, everybody. It, it, <laughs> Man, it feels like a big. Are they going back? I heard. Did I? I maybe I imagine this. That they were. Were they changing title belts again? Are they? You know, because they've they've now got the the single title for the Triple Crown. I don't know, but all 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 I know is um, this company has really been a complete clusterfuck for God a while. I mean, for a couple of years. And um, really, when you look at the whole Japanese landscape, you got New Japan who who does very well. Um, with some exceptions and some hiccups, but generally speaking, they do very well business-wise. You got Dragon Gate, who does well for what they do. They, 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 you know, they don't. They're not trying to hit home runs, but they do very well for what they do. And then you've got a bunch of stuff that's just really scary how bad it is in terms of being yeah. able to draw crowds. And and all Japan is probably the worst of the worst in that regard in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, no, no one was able to do okay for. I mean, they're they're pretty pathetic too. But yeah, it's not. It's just. 
all Japan. Zero One's officially dead now, right? Or is it not? Uh, it's who it. knows? They run, I have no idea. I think they <laughs> run cards so sporadically. It's like there's, there's so many weird promos like Tradition and stuff like that, which yeah, I actually yeah. like their shows typically. But you, you, I can't even keep up. You know, no, like I watched so the many Fortune Dream going. show today, which was good. Yeah, I watched that too. That was, uh, and, I love the purple, I like the purple ring. Yes, that, what, a, that, what a interesting, I actually enjoyed that show, but what, what a, I did too. What I a weird, <laughs> I, I, although I didn't watch the uh, Choshu Kobashi uh, talk battle. That went oh, to I, a draw. Yeah, I, I didn't watch, Yeah, I, I was wondering what that was because the, the file was listed as Ketsu Kobashi versus, and I was just like, oh, okay. And that was just them talking. I, and I turned on it and I, I'm kind of watching it. I'm wondering, okay, maybe something's going to happen. I'm like, I doubt, probably, uh, I doubt he's going to do anything, but I thought he would, you know, something would happen. And it's just them in like director's chairs sitting in the ring talking for 35 minutes. So. I did not watch their season debate. But uh, anyway, they, All Japan is kind of like the most. Because on top of the fact they're not drawing well, there's just all this constant turmoil. They've got new presidents. They're changing their title belts. You know, they're, they're, they, they've got guys leaving the promotion. They've got, you know, their, their champion, who I actually really enjoyed Akabona's run as champion. Then he gets pneumonia, and he's gone. And then, they, you know, the, the carnival was re- – I mean, like, okay. And this kind of all ties into what I'm getting at with this match because the carnival, the, the Akiyama – and I love Akiyama, okay? I mean, Akiyama has been one of my favorite wrestlers for, uh, let's see, about 17 years. And, um, you know, so I'm a, I'm a – well, actually, no, make that 18 or 19 years. He, you know, he, I'm a big fan of his. Um, but he really – he doesn't get the opportunity. So I was excited when they had the carnival final, and it was, it, it was him and Omori. And that match was disappointing. You know, I like I understood what they were trying to go for there, but it felt really flat and it was just kind of a sad environment because all Japan, frankly, is just sad in general. Yeah. And it, it just didn't work. And, uh, you know, I, I saw that, uh, you know, they'd, they'd had this thing because Akabono was out, you know, so they basically, you know, had this thing where they built, and they, you, you, I, I, you know, so you got this match for to determine the new champion between these guys. And I saw, OK, I'll watch this and hopefully it won't be what the last match was, which was okay, but you know, pretty kind of disappointing and not exciting. I was blown away by this match. I mean, this is, this is my favorite match from the entire year in Japan. Um, I, you know, it, it, it uh, I'm not saying that that is going to be a universal opinion or even close to it. But to me, this was like, uh, the Okada Tanahashi match from invasion attack, which won both the observer match of the year and the voices of wrestling match of the year last year. Yep. Uh, this was like that match, but I think Okada, Akiyama is so much better than Tanahashi in terms of coming across as a violent, dangerous person who's severely mm-hmm. trying to injure his opponent. <laughs> and, and you did, yeah, no, 